Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday as we recap everything that went down in the weekend of sports. Of course, Auburn basketball, a successful weekend in Athens, Georgia. We'll be talking about that one. We'll be talking about really the weekend in Auburn athletics as a lot of good things happen Auburn women's basketball winning, Auburn baseball with a successful weekend in Jacksonville. A lot of good stuff there. So we'll have a lot of different things for you from Auburn's weekend. Also, a word or two about court storming, as we will have to discuss that. The nation certainly taking aim on what happened in Winston-Salem on Saturday. So we'll be discussing that. We'll have our best and worst of the weekend. We'll have your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. 334-887-340 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, spring practice if we got some time today as tomorrow Auburn football spring practice will begin. Again, Brian LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. Tom Peavy, I hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you again, sir. Uh, It's good to see you, and yeah, had a a busy, busy work weekend. Uh, Very busy, but... Uh, I also had a chance to go over to Columbus and see my parents, and so that was nice. And uh, enjoyed a nice dinner at Ezel's Catfish Cabin. For anybody that uh, ever has a chance to go over to Columbus and get you some catfish at Ezel's, I highly recommend. So uh, that was great. But uh, sports-wise, man, what a, what a just great way for that basketball game to go. Uh, obviously, I was scared. When they cut it to three, it looked like Auburn was going to walk away with that one. And then all of a sudden, in the blink of eye, it felt like it was already a three-point game. But once that happened, Auburn, uh, they didn't just put their foot on the accelerator. They pushed the accelerator through the daggum floor. And it was like they could not miss. And even Dylan Cardwell hitting a three. I mean, Aiden Holloway banking shots off the backboard and going in. I I mean, just – the most ridiculous shooting performance through that last stretch of basketball that you could ever imagine. And so that was awesome to watch. Uh, I know we're going to dive deeper into that one. Baseball, yeah, I know you come up short against number 10 Virginia, uh, but the fact that you got that, you get that first big win over a ranked opponent, um, you, you know, you get that one and then you follow it up with another win against Wichita State. Yeah, you you hate that you came up short in that last game, but, I mean, you took two out of three from there. Losses are going to happen in baseball. It, it's just that's part of baseball, unfortunately, that you're nobody's going to go undefeated. Uh, but the fact that you went out there and got the two or three and the fact that you played, I mean, right down to the wire with Virginia shows that this is a team 
this is a dangerous, dangerous baseball team that can play with some of the elites in the country. And and so it's positive signs there. Like you said, the women basketball won. Uh, it, it was a very positive weekend of Auburn sports. I, I don't know of anything just off the top of my head that you could look at Auburn-wise and just go, ooh, P-U. Everything, yeah. everything was nice. There was one little thing. There was one thing. Auburn softball oh, yeah. had a bad loss to Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, last night we, we were all texting back and forth. What a race. A good yeah. heavens alive. Uh, you're, you're not going to see uh, – you will not You will not see, I can guarantee, unless there's four wide, if there's four <laughs> cars involved maybe, you're not going to see a closer finish ever. Yep. In a NASCAR race and what was witnessed in Atlanta. Um I that was that was that was incredible. Basketball's incredible, baseball's incredible, work was incredible, seeing my parents was incredible. Maybe I just already rattled off my best of the weekend. Pretty much. Hey, I it's a good weekend. There's yeah. a lot of good things. Heck Absolutely. Yeah, uh my parents will also be involved in, in best of the weekend. So uh yeah, I can relate there. Brooks Childress, I hope you had a great weekend. In fact, I know a little bit about your weekend, and uh, it was certain, certainly something fun, but uh, good to see you again on this Monday. Yeah, it is, uh, it's a great day to be here. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers and get the show going, but it uh, had a good weekend. I won't spoil everything because there's there's some the best of the weekend, but you know, like you were talking about, Tom, Auburn basketball getting a big win, a uh, big bounce-back win after a week off, uh, showed no rust after not playing a midweek game uh, following that Kentucky game last uh, Saturday. Auburn baseball with the first uh, successful weekend uh, against the uh, the likes of uh, Iowa and Virginia and Wichita State uh, came out and, and played good baseball down there. Really uh, established themselves and, and like you said, it's it's good to get in get in those situations where you're playing ranked teams before you hit that uh, that slate of SEC play coming up here in just a few weeks, a few short weeks away. Um, and then yeah, I uh, I went to uh, I was out of the uh, out of the Auburn Opelika area on Saturday. Uh, me and my brother went to the Atlanta Motor Speedway and did the doubleheader Saturday of the truck race and the Xfinity race. So we were uh, inside Atlanta Motor Speedway all afternoon. My first time there. Great venue. Uh, I've, the only NASCAR track that I've been to, the upper level NASCAR track that I've been to, has been Talladega, which is an, an, an astounding venue in its own uh, in its own right. But this first time at a mile and a half track. Uh, great again, great venue. We've talked to their general manager before on here on on this program, uh, and they've just you know the, the the facilities are great, the the track is awesome, the racing was fun, and so uh, we'll talk. I'll, I'll talk more about that uh, probably you know one of the best of the weekend maybe yeah, maybe. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it was it was super fun weekend to get out there and, and experience that, and uh, yeah, just uh, like I said, can't wait to do uh, get, dive into all this all the sports talk we're gonna have today. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Auburn basketball with a 97 to 76 win in Georgia. Uh, we will grab a couple phone calls here in just a few minutes. Then we got a few calls, but want to do start uh, with Auburn in Georgia. Tigers with uh, a really strong first half, especially offensively, uh, leading 45 34 at the break. As Tom mentioned, got very hairy um, midway through the second half or so. Uh, Georgia started to go on a run. Auburn finally was having a few possessions uh, that were a little sloppier. And Georgia had uh, come back from, again, at what had been a, a double-digit lead uh, even as recently as, I believe, uh, 14, 15 minutes to go in the second half 
and they had cut it down to 62 to 59 with 10 minutes to go and 64 to 61 with nine and a half minutes to go. Well, over the final nine and a half minutes after it being just 64 to 61, Auburn would go and outscore Georgia from that point uh, 33 to 15 and pull away from the Bulldogs and have, a, again, a demonstrative second half where they score over 50 points. So, guys, uh, this shooting performance pretty similar to what we saw uh, not only against South Carolina at home, but also the second half against Ole Miss on the road, if you'll recall, a few weeks back. What stood out to you about the Tigers' 21-point uh, victory? Uh, I, first thing that stood out to me was the the new the quote unquote new lineup without Jalen Williams in there. You you didn't start Chris Moore. You didn't start Trey Donaldson. You went uh, Janai, Mazzara, Holloway, Jones, and Cheney Johnson was your starting five. So I think that was that that was an interesting twist in there. You know, we knew they were going to have to do something different without Jalen Williams in the lineup, uh, but. I was not fully expecting, you know, uh, uh, you know, three new starters, uh, three new not normal starters in there that that have been the norm here in SEC play, and so that was interesting. Uh, we saw the uh, for a little bit of time we did see the Janai uh, Dylan Cardwell duel on the lineup, so we, that went really big. Um, so I was I was uh, like to see that. Um, you know, you, you look at it. I I've been saying it a few weeks really most of conference play that I I needed and I kept wanting Aiden Holloway to have a big game. He just he got into the slump and he just and I'm not saying he's out of the slump after one game. That's that's you know that, that's not what it but it's it's it was very very nice to see Aiden Holloway go out there and not just get 15 points but do it on five three pointers, like he, he went out there because there was there's been so much, and I, I know you Auburn fans, you know you watched all the games. You you sit there and you watch Aiden Holloway would put up a three, and it just it would it would bounce off, it would bounce out, it would it would just the threes were not falling for him uh, recently, and especially after conference play started. Uh, but it was it was great to see him go out there and hit some big threes uh, in in this one. Again, not saying he's out of the slump here, but this is one of those games that hopefully gets. The that confidence back up can get him uh, going back into a spot where uh, he's playing better basketball for the Tigers as we hit this stretch uh, here at the last week of February and getting into the the all important March of uh, of basketball season. And then Chad Baker Mazzara just a, he was impressive all day. And you know I, we we talked about where those points were going to come from that Jalen Williams was leaving and Chad Baker Mazzara at least for this game stepped up and and uh, helped make up for some of those points. Uh, Janai Broom. Again, had a had a productive day, sixteen points. Cheney Johnson had sixteen points uh, as a starter, and so I was I was impressed by by that. And also, uh, another thing that I was impressed by is, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, that Georgia cut it to three. It was it was a three point game on the road, and the fact that this this Auburn team against a Georgia team that they've been a little bit struggling once you hit conference play. They're not the same Georgia team that we were you know starting to maybe pencil in to a a at large spot for a, an NCAA tournament after the non conference. But they're still a good basketball program. Um, it it uh, Todd Golden's done a really good job these last couple of years to get Georgia building back up. Uh, but the fact that you were on the road in an SEC environment had the game cut to three. And you didn't let that affect you. you. You you still went out there and you played basket. You played really good Auburn basketball, and you were able to get build the lead back out and end up with a very dominant win on the road. is, is speaks a lot about how this team uh, could how this team is uh, their their mental mental state going down the rest of this uh, this this stretch because you've still got a big game in Tennessee this week. You've got a road game 
at Missouri, which shouldn't be too hard, but it's still a road game in the Southeastern Conference. And then you're going to be playing the entire month of March uh, SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, away from Neville Arena. So being away from your home crowd and withstanding one of those runs that uh, that, a, that a road team or that a, the home team or, or a team with more fans can uh, can throw at you, I thought that was really really good. Yeah, um, I I, just, I had <clears throat> excuse me. I just had this crazy analogy popping in my head. Now I can't think of the name of the movie. I, I want to say it's a Mel Gibson movie. It's not like a gla- it's sort of like a Gladiator movie, but it's not Gladiator the movie. But they're waiting and they're they're having it's not a Braveheart. Like, uh, Braveheart. Braveheart. It yep. is Braveheart. Braveheart. Hold, where they, he keeps screaming, hold. Uh-huh. And it's like they're getting closer and closer and oh, closer. Oh no, that, that's the Patriot. The, the Patriot. Patriot. Yeah. Okay, the Patriot. <laughs> One of All my right. favorite movies. <laughs> but, yeah, but they're getting closer and closer and closer, and he's telling everybody to hold, hold, hold. And then at the last second, he unleashes them, and they just beat the brakes off of them. That's what it felt like with this game, because on social media, I kept seeing weather the storm, weather the storm, weather the storm, weather the storm, and then it was like it, they were not weathering the storm. And, like, I kept seeing people posting, like, capital letters with exclamation points. Weather the storm. For God's sakes, weather the storm. And then it got to three. And I guess that was the, I guess that was the hold. And it's like, let them get close and close. And then afterwards, then you just unleash hell on them. And that's what it felt like happened. They cut it to three. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like Auburn just absolutely took the doors off of them. And the crowd, the Auburn crowd, took over Stegman or Stegman Coliseum. Uh, we uh, we were sitting there, I was laughing with my parents. We were watching it, and uh, you know, obviously, grow up a big Georgia household. Now we're all Auburn, but uh, listening to Georgia's pet band play their fight song "Glory" and hearing all the Auburn fans chant "A U B U R N" as loud as they could across there, man, that feels good. And, and especially coming off of. Uh, Coming off that Kentucky loss where it just really felt like the wind got sucked out of your cells because there's so much excitement around the program. And, I mean, they, you know, just everything about that Kentucky weekend and the, and then to just have that life sucked out of you in such a bad way. To be able to go back on the road and pick up a win like that and have it not be one of those that's just a complete chew your fingernails off type game. I Granted, yes, it got that way for that one part, but – I mean, by the time you got into the, you know, two minutes to go, uh, it was on cruise control. And, I mean, it just – it became laughable. Through that last part of the second half, it was – it was – I like, literally, I'm sitting there laughing at how dumb – how dumb good Auburn is playing. Like I said, to the extent that Dylan Cardwell, of all people, Dylan Cardwell hits a three-pointer. Yeah. And to see the reaction of the bench and everything, it's like, this is – this is dumb. This is it was almost like dumb. having a walk-on hit a three. At the yeah. It's like, why not? I mean, well, I know Carwell's not first, a walk-on. It's but. his second of his career, first of the season. Uh-huh. I, I mean, that's a guy that does not shoot three. That's a guy that if he pulls up from three, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, please. That would be the Horace Spencer three. Hey, exactly. And, and it's like, no, yeah. please don't. Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. But <laughs> and, and that didn't even just rattle around. Could you have imagined what would have happened to that bench had he hit the second three that he pulled? That <laughs> yeah, he, threw? he pumped fakes up to the pump fakes and throws up another three. Of course, it hit it hit the backboard yeah. at about a hundred miles an hour. It looked like, but if he had somehow banked that three in, I don't, I don't think you would have. I, I think the Auburn bench would have just all collapsed, like passed out. Yeah, in in exuberant cheering. Um. 
it's so fun to talk about Auburn basketball after a game <laughs> like that. Instead of like that last week where we were like, oh, the Kentucky thing happened. <laughs> yeah. It makes it so much more enjoyable. By the way, the, the Cardwell second three would have been to get to them to 100, too. Oh, that's so right. Yeah. Got to 100 Gooey fries. Off of two Cardwell threes. Um, obviously an incredible performance. And really, uh, again, I, I know that the middle portion of the second half got choppy. But, again, Auburn had a really good first half in this one, too. I mean, they really set the tone. They led for almost 39 of the 40 minutes. So, I mean, they were in charge the whole way. And they needed a little bit of all this. A, they needed to see shots go down. They had had one of the more demoralizing performances in in recent memory against Kentucky where it's not that you scored 59 and lost to Kentucky. It's that you scored 59 and lost to Kentucky on your home floor on college game day. Uh, And so – you have an immediate response there. You didn't have Jalen Williams. We talked probably four of the five days on the show last week at some point about what will they do without Jalen Williams? How long will he be out? Who do you want to see step up? Who will play more? This, that, and the other thing. And for that to not matter because of how well some of these guys played uh, was was the whole proof in the pudding of, of Auburn believing it is truly a really deep basketball team that some of these guys, if given more of an opportunity, would be able to live up to that opportunity and would be able to take advantage of it. Um, we targeted um, different guys throughout last week. One of the guys, that's, the guys that kept coming up was Chad Baker-Mazar. We said Baker-Mazar plays a good bit, so I don't know if the minutes will necessarily go up too much from him because he's already in the mid to upper 20s in conference play. But that's a guy that's going to get more shots. He is long. He is a good shooter. Uh, he is going to be taking more of these shots. And 8 of 12, 7 of 7 from the line, 25 points, uh, 5 rebounds. He was excellent, uh, very efficient, uh, even had a couple steals, took care of the ball, no turnovers, uh, did everything that you could have wanted in the re- replacing of, of Jalen Williams. And I know that Chaney Johnson was who ultimately uh, also got in the starting lineup because that Chaney Johnson had a bigger sample size in this one, and he was really, really good. Uh, he ends up at 6 of 9 from the floor. He ends up with 16 points. And that's really good news because Jalen Williams uh, is going to have to leave this program at some point, and this some point being after this year. And Chaney Johnson is going to be one of the guys getting an opportunity to play a lot more. Well, that is really good news if Chaney Johnson can play 27 minutes and go 16 points from the field on 6 of 9 shooting. So uh, his performance was, was very important. And I think that uh, – Obviously, too, you have to talk about Aiden Holloway because I will not prove to you, I do not say that this means that it is fixed, he will now do this the rest of the year and this, that, and the other. But um, just to have one game that was worth something and to really be a big part of the second half because I believe four of the five threes were in the second half. They were in kind of the last nine or ten minutes of the game. So pretty important threes, even though, yes, the lead was up to about eight to ten at that point. Threes to extend it and get it out of reach. Uh, So timeliness of those, very, very important. I have never once doubted that at some point Aiden Hallway would figure it out. However, I doubted if it would be this year. And, I look, again, like I said, we'll have to see it strung along because, again, it has been a rough year for him. And, uh, again, there's more work to do on shot selection, that sort of thing. But really, really good news if you're Auburn because, um, 
you know, Trey Donaldson has not had a good stretch of play the last three or four games ever since really getting the starting role. Uh, we had noticed him playing better than Aiden in the reserve role and, and earning the opportunity to start, but that's kind of the mandate of the point guards where you got to play who's ever is better on that day. These guys are uh, they're very different players, but in terms of effectiveness, they are uh, they're similar sometimes, and they have their ups and downs. And even though I think Donaldson is a little more consistent in various ways, like Holloway has that flame-throwing ability to where we really saw it non-conference. We have not seen it in SEC play. But if he gets going, you got to play that. And so he finally had one game. I think it's going to be so key for him uh, to take good quality shots in the next one and not immediately put up a, a two for ten and then you know the confidence is not necessarily in the right spot again, this, that, and the other. But um, just to have one game like this, very, very important for him. This was also not the style of game I thought. I thought Auburn would have to win the scrappy, you know, battle of wills game. I was thinking, I think my prediction on Friday was 70 to 67 or something like that for Auburn. Um, at no point was it looking like a low scoring game. Auburn was consistent with their offense. You kind of have to be to be uh, approaching 100. Uh, even Georgia provided some issues. Usually Mike White teams are a little bit stuck in the mud. And, and to be fair, I mean, when once Auburn started to hit some threes, it really overwhelmed Georgia. They didn't know how to respond to it. They did not respond very well. Um, and, and I think that they even to be in the mid-70s did a really good job, relatively speaking, against some of these teams against Auburn's defense. But this is one of those games where, for whatever reason, if it could go in, it would go in for Auburn. And they uh, just end up with a very composed response in the second half once Georgia did cut it down. And they really checked a lot of boxes for me. I thought this was such a pivotal game because – I still don't feel good about Tennessee, and I'm not going to feel good about Tennessee. I'm sorry it's on the road. I just don't think Auburn will end up winning. They're good. But the thing is, you're. I, I think you're not losing in March. Mississippi State's a solid NCAA tournament caliber team. They are coming here, though. Uh, I don't think you're losing to Georgia in your home floor. And at Missouri, I, just, I would be flabbergasted. I don't care where it is to lose to Missouri. So I think you're going 3-0 in March. And so what this does – uh, assuming you do finish the year three and one from here on out, you're at 24 wins. You're at, uh, 13 and five in the conference. You will be a top four seed. Yes, the loss to Tennessee will take you out of SEC championship comp, uh, consider, you know contention, but it will pretty much guarantee you a top four if you are three and one the rest of the way. Um, and again, I think it also means that you're not going to fall in the seed line. At worst, you're going to be a four. Maybe you work your way into a three, depending on who's actually right about this bracketology and and uh, what the NCAA tournament committee actually thinks and what you do in the SEC tournament. But if your only loss from here on out is at number four or five Tennessee, uh, you're not dropping for that. So uh, this really was the game that protected Auburn from any sort of real palpable slide, in my opinion. And now they can look more focused on the way back up towards trying to be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament and trying to be uh, a contender in the SEC tournament and that sort of thing. So uh, we will have more thoughts on, on this. Any other thoughts in this segment, guys, though, before we head to our first break you want to get out? No? I, I think I've said I think I've said everything that I could possibly say. Yeah, I mean I just you know, just reiterate the the you know, you we looked at how this team was going to bounce back from from Jalen Williams. And I think that's a good point of what you brought up is if you can get this type of performance 
on a consistent basis from Chaney Johnson going forward, that can help you in the next couple of years um, to, to fill that void because Jalen Williams, he's, he's been with the program a while. And obviously this year is his, his breakthrough kind of big, big year where, where a lot of people are taking notice of his performances. But you want to keep that going. You want to keep that production going uh, when, you, when you lose him next year. And so if, if Chaney Johnson can continue to do this type of performance, you can, if you can uh, get more time to Chad Baker-Mazzara, I'll tell you what, what may happen, and I don't know, you know, that is this, the, you know, we, we've already talked about how much Bruce Pearl uses the bench, and it's, it's more than, you know, basically anybody else in the country. The, these performances may make him use it even more uh, when, when Jalen Williams does come back. If, if, you can, if you can get these types of performances from Chaney Johnson and, and Chad Baker-Mazzara, this may open the door to Bruce Pearl and that coaching staff rotating even more than they already do, which is already an insane amount. Let's take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we've got birthdays and sports. We've also got a trip to the orthopedic clinic phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Tom, I don't know about you, I got in the vehicle today, bit warm. <laughs> a little bit warm. <laughs> a bit warm. I got, I got shorts and sandals on today. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's supposed to get warmer, like eighty up into the 80s. Yeah, yeah. 80s. 80s. Close, close to the 80s, yeah. Low 80s, make, yeah. Make me break out the shorts? Just for a day or two. We'll be back to the low 60s on uh, on Thursday. You're going to make me break out shorts in February? I'm going to think about it, yeah. Oh, maybe make you do that for a day or two. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do that. I, I'm just, I'm just again, I, I'm, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, just letting you know. I have no control. <laughs> don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, all I'm saying is Punxsutawney Phil knew what he was talking about this year, right? Didn't didn't he say shorts, uh, he short did. winter? He did. There you go. So, hey, sometimes he doesn't always bat a thousand. Sometimes he figures it out, though. All right. Before we go any further in today's show, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right. Today on February the 26th, we got Marshall Falk, who turns 51, former NFL running back. 
Bonk is considered to be one of the best running backs of all time. Played collegiately at San Diego State. Go Tex! With the Aztecs, Falk was a two-time unanimous All-American before being selected second overall in the 1994 NFL Draft by the Indianapolis Colts. He played with the Colts and the Rams for his pro career. Falk would go on the NFL MVP, a three-time Offensive Player of the Year, a three-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, and much more. Falk is a member of the Colts Ring of Honor and the Rams Ring of Fame, with his number 28 being retired by the Rams. He is a member of both the College Football and Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, where he went to GW Carver High School. Go Rams. Well, he's meant to be a Ram. Yeah. Marshall, Marshall Falk, 51 today. Robert Mathis is 43, former defensive end. Mathis played college football at Alabama A&M. Go dogs! Before being selected in the fifth round of the 2003 NFL Draft by the Indianapolis Colts. Mathis would spend his entire 14-year career with the Colts, was a two-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, and holds the NFL record for most fumbles forced in a career with 54. Once he retired, now works on the Colts staff as a pass rush, pass rush consultant. Mathis is a member of the Colts Ring of Honor, and his number 55 is retired by Alabama A&M. There you go, and uh, it started out in Atlanta, Georgia at McNair High School. Go Mustangs. McNair right. Mustangs. There we go. So Robert Mathis is 43. Like, Jesse, oh, I was going to say, I, I like a good, a uh, good high school alliteration. Yes, uh, you got to alliterate. You got to have the alliteration. Yeah, got to. I, I don't know if you have to. Well, no, but it makes it better. It does. If you got a generic name. If you have a generic yeah. name, yeah. Jesse Bates the third is 27, current safety for the Atlanta Falcons. Bates played college football at Wake Forest. Go Deeks. Where he was a second team All ACC selection. He was selected in the second round of 2018 NFL Draft by the Bengals where he was a second-team All-Pro before signing with the Falcons. In his first year in Atlanta, Bates had a great season with six interceptions and 89 solo tackles. Bates established himself as one of the best safeties in the league. He made the Pro Bowl for the first time this season. He was pretty good this year. Yes, he was. Well, he won them a couple games. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no alliteration here. He went to Snyder High School in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Go Panthers. Snyder Panthers. Snyder Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Jesse Bates went to high school. He is 27 today. And Matthew Bergeron is 24. Current Atlanta Falcon. Bergeron played college football at Syracuse. Go Orange. Where he was a second team all ACC selection. Selected in the second round of the 2023 NFL Draft by the Falcons. And played in every game this past season. Matthew Bergeron, 24 today. Uh, so uh, from Quebec, Ontario, Canada. Wow. He attended... I, I hope I'm pronouncing I don't know French very well. Sejep Thetford. Yep. Yes, I agree. And they were called the Le Filons, which translates to the veins. The veins. V-E-I-N-S, wow. the veins. I, I've been desperately on here trying to figure out <laughs> what that means in the U.S. because their jerseys just say Thetford. I don't see anything that has an animal or anything that would like steer me in the direction so i was like hey let me go look at their cheerleaders and it just says uh les felons on their jerseys i'm like okay well i guess they're the felons and i was like all right they're the felons no that's not what that means <laughs> they, so the les felons is the veins i well sure everything you just said taking your word for it that ford i guess bergeron quebec ontario canada two falcons birthdays how about that yeah i yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Although we are the home, for we the are the home of the Falcons, so, so I understand why. But uh, Jesse Bates for sure. Magic I'm going to walk around sounding like Pepe Le Pew for the rest <laughs> of the day now. 
Well, let's Hello. Try, <laughs> let's try to get that out of you during this next commercial break when we come back. More sports call here on Tiger 95.9. We'll be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday afternoon. I was looking this up, by the way, um, Brooks. You know what March 10th is? Uh, it's a great day in the universe is what it is. Well, I know that, and I know it's because uh, it's your birthday. Do you it's know what's Chuck Norris's birthday. Which is also a great day. Great day in the universe. Um, your birthday present? I'm going to go ahead and get you your birthday Chuck present. Chuck Norris doesn't have birthdays. Birthdays have Chuck Norris. That's right. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> well, yes, of course. But aside from that fact, Brooks, I've decided to give you an early birthday present. Uh-oh. I'm just kind of scared. March 10th is daylight savings time. I know. I saw that last night when I was looking at my calendar. That was like, not as happy as I wanted it to be. <laughs> it's not because I lose an hour of sleep on my birthday. I mean, yeah, but... Then you get an hour of daylight yeah, for months get, to come. Yeah, yes, but like, can, why couldn't we do it the next weekend, the seventeenth? <laughs> why couldn't it be the seventeenth been my? I didn't realize we were already getting ready to change yeah, towns again. Less than two weeks. Goodness, yep. wow! Very excited, uh, but it, very excited for Brooks Childress's birthday too. Get him something nice, everyone. All right, let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one at triple eight nine tiger nine up first this afternoon. Ward Dam Steve, retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Good afternoon, gentlemen. And as always, thank you for taking my phone call. Yes, sir. Let's get to it real quickly, Mr. Tom and Brooks. Hello. Sir, you know, it's always great to be Auburn Tiger. It's even it's even greater when Auburn wins and Alabama loses in anything. Uh, that, yeah, that's right. Well, they cut the double eagle. Guys, I could not believe that score. I watched the last two, three minutes of the game, and in fact, it could have been worse. I can tell you, it could have gone to 120 probably, but they put it, I think, their, their second string or third string people in there, didn't they? Yeah. I, well, you know, I'll tell you this so that, that, the, that Kentucky performance kind of encapsulates what Kentucky basketball is this year. They are a team that can score 120, but they're also probably going to give up 100. Now, how they ended up playing such great defense against Auburn, I, I, I just I don't understand it. But you know, Alabama put up plenty of points to win that game over just about anybody else. I mean, scored ninety five. So that's what Kentucky does. They'll they'll put yeah. a, they'll 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 drop a hundred burger on you, but they might also give up a hundred. Yeah, they had Justin Edwards go ten of ten, which was uh, incredible. Four of four from three. All right, sticking with basketball, guys. Uh, I just looked at the stats here, and uh, I say first 
more damn to Mr. Chad Big Mazzara. I did not know. I don't know if you guys saw the interview briefly after the game on uh, ESPN. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I was wondering, why was he leading during part of the game? I said, was he hurt? No. He was in tears because he was grieving still over the death of his uh, now former uh, football coach in high school who had just, I think he said he was only 30 years old and died unexpectedly of some seizures that occurred. Mm -hmm. I said, wow. And so he said that apparently uh, was laying on his mind and uh, motivated him to play even, um, I guess, more passionately than maybe he would have. But 25 points, dang. And, Brian? Yep. I'm not pointing a finger at you. It's all in me, too, because, you know, I'd ask you, Clyde, you know, will we ever see a, a breakout game from the, the five-star potential of Aiden Holloway? And you seem skeptical about it. And I said, I'll probably agree with you. And then we were both wrong, thankfully. It finally happened. He has a breakout game. Five out of eight three-pointers. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, he, he really needed it. And, yeah, I mean, I had my doubts that it would happen uh, at, at some point again this year. Um I'm glad that he parlayed it into a, a real game and not just he made one or two and then cooled down for the rest of the game. He actually got better in the second half after he hit the the one three in the first half. So um, huge performance for him. Uh, still didn't doubt that uh, you know what we saw in the early part of the year was possible. Uh, but I mean, when you had gone through really the entirety of conference play without anything like that. Uh, yeah, I had I had serious doubts if it would happen again this year. I hope it keeps happening. Uh, it is going to be about shot selection and then continuing to be confident because I do think he lost his confidence along the way there too. So hopefully he's able to harness being confident with not taking horrible shots because that's what sometimes freshmen do and that is what he has done some this year. But now we've seen again, okay, he can still do it in conference play too. It is in there. Uh, you just got to have the the right mashup there of confidence and shot quality. Right. And sticking with that game, guys, you know, thankfully it did have no impact on the game, but it, it, it might have in some other games that are close to that. Officiating uh, to me was just horrendous. I mean, what are we doing with Janai Broom? Three fouls on him. Three on, uh, let's see, who else was uh, – uh, I think Chad Baker had three fouls against him. And the game uh, was in the second half uh, with about 13, I think, or 12 minutes still so up in the game, guys. I mean, what? And then I saw, I saw stats, 31 free throws for Georgia. We had, I think, only 12 or 13. Guys, what did you think of the officiating? Yeah, 31 and 16. I mean, look, again, I, we, we harp on it every time. When there's a 20-point game, I try not to, to harp on it. I know, know you asked about it. Yes, I did not think it was well-officiated at all. Um, but, again, like you're going to have those. Uh, they're more likely to happen to you when you're on the road. You're more likely to get favorable offici- officiating in your favor at home versus on the road. I'm not excusing it. I did think it was a, a bad job, but – um, Auburn overcame it and, and made the story not about that. So uh, we, we mentioned officials almost every single game, and uh, I honestly was not going to bring it up because, yes, I, I know I, I agreed it was not uh, well officiated either, but also in a 20-point game, it, it really didn't matter. I know. Well, I'm just going to, you know, is there no uh, oversight on these officials? I mean, because these were like, you know, obvious fouls. These were like touch fouls and away from the ball at times. Yeah, oversight in terms of, in terms of what? In terms of 
who officiates the, the officials and says, okay, guys, we got to clean up our act here. Yeah, I mean, you you do have to have uh, leagues that, that do that. Again, a reminder that, um, and I'm not saying you've said this recently at all, but some people forget that, again, these refs are not confined to one conference. It's not like football where you have SEC, Big Ten, only refs. Um, I've seen I've seen refs plenty of times just this year work an Auburn game on Saturday and go up and work a UAB game on Sunday in the Americans. So uh, a gentle reminder about that for everyone out there. But yeah, I, I mean, the the truth is is that a lot of these guys look for fans. No one's going to think any of them do a particularly great job. I I have very seldom heard a list of referees where people say yeah they really like them. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the problem is is that uh, they all have rough games from time to time, and we always remember them. And I have my personal uh, least favorites that, that work uh, in and around the SEC and ACC and that sort of thing. Um, and they're probably some of your least favorites. But uh, the reality is we don't have enough uh, good officials or just enough officials overall just to quickly expunge the ones that we think are doing a bad job. There's – there's, uh, they'll tell you there's a shortage all the way down the high school level. So, um, you know, honestly, it gets into a much deeper conversation about training them, making them full-time jobs, uh, and, and that sort of thing. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, with, with basketball, uh, I was reading some several posts from on 247 Sports of people who were at the game, Auburn fans, and they remarked that several uh, uh, Georgia people there uh, in front of them made the comment after the game, hey, who cares about uh, basketball? Uh, we we really, you know, it, uh, football matters to us. And so as I thought about that, and they said that really? Uh, and then Philip Marshall made a comment about that too. He said it's really apparently uh, it's really uh, odd that Georgia seems to not have made, uh, I guess, basketball, the fans have the university that important. When you look at this information, I said, wow. He said Auburn's Final Four team had four starters from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And hold on, Auburn's first-round draft picks under Pearl have come from Georgia. I said, wow. So, Jeff, I'm asking you, since you're a Georgia fan, what, what gives here? I mean, how do these people um, get, get to get away from Georgia and come to Auburn? <clears throat> yeah, um, that, yeah, a lot of those players have come out of the same high school. They've all come out of McEachern High School and the same AAU team up there in Atlanta. They've just Auburn has developed a pipeline uh, through there. Georgia still gets their players from the state of Georgia, but Auburn specifically has had a pipeline uh, with that one group. But um, you know, I mean, it's just it's it's the nature of a lot of these teams in the SEC. And the thing is, Steve, we could sit here and lie to ourselves about it, but the thing is, it's the exact same way at Auburn when the roles are reversed. When Auburn is really, really good at football and the basketball team is, is, is really, really bad, which has been the majority of the years at Auburn, uh, Auburn would play basketball games and people wouldn't even know that there's a game going on. And that's just you, the truth. Enough, that's you're, just you're the truth right. of the matter. That's the way it is at Georgia right now. Their basketball program is, is not very good. I think they could be on I think they could be having some upward momentum there and they've had some really good players like Anthony Edwards recently coming out of there. Yeah, he is from Atlanta. Um again, yes, Anthony Edwards from Atlanta, Georgia, went to Georgia, was first round draft pick. Number one pick. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Number one overall yeah. pick. Um 
but at Georgia, they right now their football team is is at the peak of the mountain, and that's what they care about. Their basketball team, they they, they just really don't care. Now, if their football team has a swoon and they start dropping down, and that basketball team picks up, then they're going to follow that. Um, that's just the way it is in the SEC. Uh, you know, it just it it just is. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. Is it it's just how it is in the SEC. Apparently, all right, guys. I know time is really really short, so maybe we can continue discussion more. But I would like to get a more in depth discussion about these uh, rankings, uh, primarily from the NCAA and Ken Palm and Bracket uh, Matrix, because they don't seem to agree with each other. Uh, and I'm trying to see, oh, well, how in the world does Ken Palm get these rankings? And then I look at NCAs and how does NCAA net rankings justify where they're ranking Auburn versus Alabama and Tennessee when I look at some of their records uh, in the categories of neutral, home, quad one, quad two. I know we don't have enough time to look at because I do want a – a recent discussion on that. Uh, and real quickly, guys, I guess you know about what happened with Cam Newton over the weekend. You got assaulted. I'm actually looking at a video of it right now, but yeah. He, it was crazy. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know the story. I don't know the backstory behind why they jumped him, but uh, well, it looked like Cam, was, it looked like Cam was fighting off multiple people that were attacking yeah. him. Well, he was being attacked by another organization. It was a 7 7 uh, league uh, flag uh, football uh, team that he apparently uh, supports for kids who are uh, under 18 of, of age. But anyway, he was all, I saw the video I said, wow. But he flung them uh, across from, from his body. He flung them to the ground like they were matchsticks. And somebody commented on this on, on Twitter saying, hey, man, you don't mess around with Cam. No, uh, no you yeah, don't. Apparently, yeah. You can, uh, you can find the more details about it on Bleach Report. Uh, it's entitled, Former NFL Quarterback Cam Newton Appears to Be Involved in Youth Camp Fight on Vile Video. Hi, guys. I know what time is way up. So, again, thank you for your time as always. Uh, enjoy listening to your podcast later on for other comments. So, until tomorrow, guys, a safe afternoon, evening, and uh, War Eagle always. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM. Steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We have about a minute, minute and a half left here in the opening hour of the show. Uh, several things we want to get into in hour number two and three, including court storming, including uh, Auburn baseball, uh, several other things. That Cam Newton uh, video was... <laughs> that was wild. Yeah, I don't know. My biggest thing is I just don't know what possessed people to think they were going to have even a puncher's chance at going against Cam Newton <laughs> physically. <clears throat> uh, he's not 78 or 85 years old where he's he's deteriorated and he's not the 6'6", 260-pound Heisman-winning MVP-winning quarterback, which he's not that far removed from. I don't... I don't know what the logic was there uh, that yeah. seemed devoid of it. I, I also I, I figured a guy like Cam Newton with his you know with his fame and notoriety would have at least had some sort of security with him. Somebody at least like I saw some people that had staff on the back of their well, shirt at the end of the video. It's they, probably what Ryan said. Who would pick on that? Would would go after well, that guy? Yeah, but it, but you never know. I mean, some of that kind of fame and notoriety at least has like one person that's kind of yeah. there with them. Just in case something like that, happens. you have crazed fans. You have you have just crazed people that will do stuff to a celebrity like that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe his celebrity has waned so much that he just doesn't need it anymore. Or maybe he's just big old Cam Newton and can throw six dudes around like they're nothing. I, I think more more of the he's his own, he's his own bodyguard. 
Uh, yeah, apparently so. That was a pretty crazy video there. We are out of time in hour number one. Again, stay tuned in hour number two. Want to talk a little bit about court storming. Want to talk a little bit more about this Auburn basketball team. And also want to talk about Auburn baseball after a good weekend in Jacksonville. Florida also want to hear more from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you'd like to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports call returns after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Of course, you can also listen to Sports Call after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast, presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. Uh, a reminder that tomorrow's show will be shorter. It will be the only shortened show of the week. It will be a very shortened show. We'll have Borgard High School Baseball coming up at 4.30. So we'll be getting off air around 4.10 or 4.15 tomorrow. So a very shortened edition of the show on Tuesday. And there will be about one or two shows until the end of high school baseball and softball season that will be shortened each week. Uh, of course, weather permitting for those baseball and softball broadcasts, but again, about one to two a week, so we'll always keep you abreast of that. Starting hour number two, I want to talk some more college basketball, but I also want to cover the um, basketball-related incident after the fact of Duke and Wake Forest basketball game on Saturday, where Wake Forest did upset the Duke Blue Devils. And after the fact, uh, controversy as the Wake Forest crowd uh, obviously flowed in rather quickly, and Kyle Filipowski apparently left with a sprained ankle. He certainly, uh, there was contact, and uh, the videos that came out, very interesting. You watch live, uh, and live looks different than the overhead. The overhead looks like something completely different to where it almost reminds me a little bit, it's a little more extreme but it reminds me a little bit of the Caitlin Clark where uh, live you're just like, what was that? And then you look closely and it almost makes it look like she put her arms out and you're, you're trying to nitpick, but what, what, what is a natural motion? You're getting very into the weeds of it. And you can do the same thing here with Duke and Filipowski and get very much in the weeds of what, how, who initiated what, and is that the normal step and a lot of things there. So guys, what'd you make? 
Uh, I'd love to be talking about Wake Forest upsetting Duke. Uh-huh. Uh, but what did you make of the events after the fact and where you're at on the national conversation right now with, with Court Storming? Um, all right, so from the slow motion and from the above, like you mentioned, it looks like Filipowski sticks his leg out, almost like he was trying to trip one of the Wake Forest guys. That's what it looked like. His leg extends out in a tripping motion and makes contact. That's what it looked like. Whether that's what his intentions were, I don't know, but that's what it looked like. It looked like he was trying to trip up one of their students that was running on the floor and made contact. Um, now, the national conversation about it, um, first of all, in, in a basketball arena, I, just, I, I don't see how you're ever going to change that. Uh, I, I mean, you're just in such close proximity to the court and there's very little barriers i mean unless you're gonna start turning this into like the the european soccer stuff where you put up big chain link fences with barbed wire between the fans and the and the playing surface that's not gonna happen i i can't imagine you will ever get to that point um i i don't know it's there's been the two incidents this year, but out of all the field stormings and court stormings and things like that, obviously there was the field storming where the uh, Alabama player looked like punched a Tennessee fan. You know, there was that, but it, it, I, I can't I can't think of of all the field stormings and court stormings. I've I've never really seen it be an issue until today, as far as like contact being made with the players. Um, so I mean I I don't know how you, if you're trying to fix it I don't know exactly how you fix it I mean obviously there's punitive damages that are already placed on these schools when they storm the courts but it's part of the atmosphere and part of the cool thing with sports that these teams and schools or whatever they're just like okay well you know we'll pay the fine um, I I don't know how I just I don't know how you fix it it is it, it can be dangerous but i also legitimately don't believe that the fans are storming the court and are trying to injure players now is there the chance that they will get in there and you know start jawjacking with somebody sure but i i'm not convinced that fans especially in college where these students are running on the floor where they their intent is to hurt another player i i, I just i don't believe that that's the case so uh, you know, it, it's tough anytime you're putting the players on the court or field in that close proximity to the fans. It leaves the window open for something bad to happen. But I, I'm wondering if this is a very knee-jerk reaction to just a couple of very isolated incidents. When you, when you, like I said, when you talk about all the times that people have stormed a field or have stormed a court, and it seems like there's never really been an issue. But now there's been a couple of isolated, and it's like, oh, we've got to quickly change all this and come up with some way to do something. And it's like, man, eh, you know, I, I just. But then, of course, then, I, man, I keep saying I'm, I'm finished riding on this because I, I understand why people are upset. And it's like, do we do something now or do we wait? until there is an absolute catastrophe do we wait until the students rush the floor and get into a full-on fist flying blood flying melee with an opposing team I, you know I, I don't know 
I just, but I also don't know how you stop it, especially in basketball. I, I really don't know how you prevent that from happening, uh, unless, gosh forbid, the uh, Alabama's coach mentioning, you know, forfeiting games. Like if your folks rush the floor, then that's an immediate forfeit, whether you won the game or not. They counted as a forfeit. I can't imagine they'd ever get to that point, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's very isolated incidents, and in both of them it looks like that, you know, it, it was either very accidental or the player actually did something to draw contact with a with a fan. But I I think it's a good – I think it's a fun part of college athletics. Obviously, you don't see this in pro sports that they're – you don't see that it's this niche thing that is to me is very cool with the college game i don't want them to stop it i also don't see how they could stop it yeah i you know i think that it's i i agree i i I'm, you know you you love to see a good court storming um it is weird that like you said you you can't really you know, uh, think about any big incidents uh, except for, you know, you've had the Caitlin Clark Caitlin, got hit right. and then Kyle Filipowski may or get, may or not gotten hit. I, I was watching some of the videos just a minute ago. It, it does, you know, I, I, you know, you don't want to speculate. It does look like he, you know, sticks his leg and, you know, kind of does a little shove out. It, it does look like the student that he, he was going after was saying something to him uh, as, as they ran by. So I don't, you know. It, it's just it, it's interesting, you know. You, again, you mentioned the Alabama player hitting the uh, appearing appearing to to punch the Tennessee fan uh, last year when Tennessee stormed the field uh, after beating them. It there, I, I think you know those are like you said, are, they're fun. It you know you're celebrating. I think probably the the thing here is you could take some steps to try to make things a little bit safer rather than. Um, Get you know say you know do the do the oh if your fans storm the court it's a it's an it's a automatic forfeit that seems like a, a bad idea that seems like a you know that's that's you know that's 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 I think that's a little little much um, you know the the fines obviously uh, you know the, the fines obviously you know some conferences do it some conferences don't and they're not really you know it's not punishing the the people that do it. Uh, it's punishing the school, and they don't, you know, the the fans that storm the court. They're like, all right, fine, you've got so and so million dollar endowments, you can you can afford to pay a hundred thousand dollars. I think what what c- could be done is to, and we've seen it, uh, I've seen it a handful of times. Uh, you get the security team that is on on site there, not to necessarily stand in front of the students and try to stop them or try to stop the fans because we've seen that start try to happen and it does not end well it, it's the the students end up winning that battle but you get like you you get the security team especially for basketball really to kind of form a barrier between the handshake line and the the fans storming the court you, you form a, a barrier there between those two and then you once you know the handshake line is you you keep that barrier going to the locker room get them around the, the fans don't let them go back across the court and I know some of the team entrances are across the court like Neville Arena you got to walk the complete opposite side of the court to get back to the visitors locker room but you can find a different way to get them out of there. You can find a different way to to you know kind of safely get them and not take them right back through where everybody's storming. I think that that could be something that you could look at to try to help make things safer and not get rid of some of the fun that it, it comes with upsetting a big team on your home court. 
I do have uh, a couple of, of big thoughts about it, but I do want to go to our orthopedic clinic phone line first and hear from our callers, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Up next today, Luke from Alex City. Luke is with us. Luke, how are you today? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, a couple of things. you got to stop it. you got to stop the court storming. There's no other way to look at it. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's iconic, all this other stuff, but we live in a different time. And even if Filipowski, if you believe he stuck his leg out, even if you believe uh, Caitlin Clark uh, initiated the contact, whatever, then that even that still proves And see, if you're a player and you've been out there spilling your blood and guts and you're in an emotional moment and all these kids come up to you, all you got to do is look at the Filipowski uh, video. Look at all the kids that run out there with their phones out. They're screaming, they're TikToking and cussing and Instagramming, and they're looking at him and saying things. Hey, if I were a big athlete and somebody came at me like that, I'd want to punt, knock their lights out too. And um, it's not right. It's it's we live in a different time. It's the same reason we have to have metal detectors in schools. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't have to have that, but things change. It 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 sucks. It sucks that we can't take a regular tube of toothpaste through the air on an airplane anymore because it is more than six ounces or whatever, you know, it, but, but times change, things have changed and, and you have to change with them because what's going to happen next. I mean, yeah, uh, Jermaine Burton, uh, he hit that Tennessee fan. I, I think he did. And, um, but frankly, we don't know what she said to him and, uh, it could have been something awful. You can say, well, there's no excuse for it. I, I agree to an extent. At the same time, you just played an emotional game, and you're asking these kids who are out there laying everything on the line to gather their thoughts and and, uh, be the greatest sports when you have fans running out on the field saying horrible things to them or out on the court. And you say it can't be done. I bet you they can figure out a way to make it be done. If you say, okay, here's the deal. We're not going to forfeit wins. We're just going to fine you $2 million. We're going to fine the school $2 million, not 100000 because they don't mind paying that. Obviously, they keep doing it. And here's the other thing. It used to be fun, and it used to mean something. Wake Forest and Duke was like a, a two-point spread. What are you rushing the court for that for? I mean, you were kind of supposed to win that game. I mean, or at least be tight to the end, and it wasn't one on a last-second shot. I mean, they, you know, wait, there was a lot of free throws in between. It wasn't something super special. Um, it was just a win over Duke, which, frankly, I think Duke has six or seven losses this year. It's not that big a deal. Um, I just think, yeah, this used to be something that everybody could do, and that was fun, but times have changed. You don't know if any of these students – have something that they might hit you with. And you can, I mean, you can say that's crazy, but hey, we've seen a lot of crazy things happen right now. And uh, as I think Jay Billis is on my side with this. Look, you can't make it, you know, that people have come out and said, well, maybe if you let the players get off the court first and then you storm it. Well, then you take all the fun of storming the court off. The whole point is to do it right when it happens and do it in the moment. Um, but I bet if you, if you say we're going to find these schools two million, three million dollars every time it happens, you watch how fast they figure it out. Even if that means, okay, you got to back up uh, the the student section, you know, whatever you got to do, because I don't think it's coming from mostly the the side where 
the season ticket holders, I promise, usually coming from the student section. Maybe they don't get to be right on the court anymore, and that would suck too. Uh, but when Filipowski, whether he stuck his leg out or not, whether Caitlin Clark, whether she initiated the contact or not, I would rather stop court uh, storming forever than have a Caitlin Clark who is like a phenom and so much fun to watch be hurt for any amount of time. I just I think it's better for the sport to have the great players be available rather than uh, make it so that some fans can storm the court after they win a game that they were supposed to win. So, I, Luke, I know you mentioned the uh, the amount of time there. That is where I was going to go with this, and that's where I stand on it, where your, your counter is that it does lose some fun because it's not as immediate, but my counter is it's still more fun than nothing at all. And if you can uh, give yourself 30, 60 seconds, something like that, to uh, get off the court, get off the playing surface, whatever, uh, that's enough time for them to do that, and then it's still time – where it's not 10 minutes later, you still have the ability to go celebrate a huge win. So I personally think that that is how I would move on with it because I do agree with the suddenness. I think you made a great point about times changing and and how unfortunate it is that people uh, can't be respectful in certain ways. So I agree with the, the sudden nature of that needing to get out of it. But I still think that we continue to erode things that make college sports more fun than than professional sports and i think that one of the great crowd elements to it uh yes the students but also are things that the students do and to take completely away the ability to celebrate a big upset or big victory again i think that's another step towards trying to make everything as uniform across athletics including professional college as possible and i think that there i think it would help tremendously to give some time for the athletes to get off the court and then to be able to still celebrate. And, yeah, it, it might be 10 or 20% less fun to wait a minute, but it's still better than nothing. Okay, let, let me counter that. I agree that I could live with that if we went with that, but here's the danger in that. When does the countdown begin, and is there like a timer that everybody – or do you have to make sure everybody – you know, the only way I would go for it is say, okay, everybody from the opposing team must be off the court. They must be. And that's on the school to define that. You know, like, is it the last trainer? Is it the last manager? Whatever. But I would want nobody from the opposing team in harm's way. I think that's, right. again, if, we're gonna, if you're going to be safe, that's what you got to do. And then if you say, okay, it's only one minute. You have one minute, and it's their responsibility. Then do you put a timer up there? And you count it down because it, that may even make it more dangerous that everybody's sitting uh, at the starting line of wherever that is, waiting for that last second buzzer, and then they just all burst out onto the court. I, I just don't know how you can make it um, and, and make it the way it, we we think of it as being. Again, I would love to be able to have them because I do think it is fun. But there are a lot of things that we used to do that are fun that we can't do anymore. And and that's, you know, uh, I was just talking to somebody about uh, I went on a snow skiing trip recently, and we were talking about how, you know, when everybody was younger, you had no helmets, and you just went out there and did what you wanted to do. And now that everything is so regulated, you know, it's, it's such a big ordeal just to get up the mountain that you're like, God, i got to stay here all 
because uh, if I if I ever quit doing this, taking all this stuff off and checking off everything is such a problem. Um, but I just think that's that's the way it is. And look, uh, you you talk about you know making it the professionalization of the sport. We're we're doing that anyway. I mean, we we're we're expanding the playoffs. We're already talking about expanding them again, just like I thought. We hadn't even gotten to the 12 team. We're already talking about going to 14. Then it'll be 16. Then it'll be 32 because we won't stop. And uh, then we'll stop. We'll start having you know these automatic qualifiers. No matter what their record is, we'll we'll just automatic qualify people in there. And now the players are getting paid. They're doing NIL deals. Uh, they we basically have free agency, but it's even worse than what the professionals have. So yeah, if we're going to keep doing the professionalization, I think we need to do what they do. You don't see anybody storming the court in Buffalo, and they still seem to have a pretty good time. The one solution I heard that made sense was, okay, you can't storm the court, but your players can go into the crowd. Maybe we need to encourage the players to go into the crowd more, like the home players. Okay, y'all can get in the crowd and take pictures and, you know, hug everybody and do that thing. It's sort of a reverse court storming. And it's not as much fun for everybody else necessarily, but it's it's probably the best compromise you're going to get that, that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, again, I, I think that I, – and look, I do think for what it's worth, if you ask me a prediction, I think that ultimately they, they will do away with it. I think that's – it might take some more time, but I think you get enough national pressure, I think that that's what they're going to end up doing at some point. And – uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the on it. It is becoming clearly more professional, but that doesn't mean that you have to make things uh, go that way in every arena and every form of it. Uh, obviously, the the players and the and the structure of playoffs and that sort of thing is going to be continually getting more professionalism, um, and really, it's born out of this the, the money and there people are not going to shut down on the money part of it. Um, but I still think with the fan element of it, there's still something that can be protected and not have to make be made to be the exact way the professionals do it. Um, and so I, I again, I, I will I think we're just gonna have to stay on, on different sides of it, but I, I do think that you're gonna see something pretty soon reformed here because uh, this is the first time and, and the reality of it too, if this had happened to a sm- on a smaller scale school, a you might not have had the, the same court storming. But if this had happened to a smaller school or a smaller player, that sort of thing, you'd probably not have the national uh, outcry or national conversation you're having right now. But because it was Caitlin Clark, the the best well known women's basketball player right now in, in college, and because it was Duke, uh, you 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 accelerate things. So I think that you will well, probably let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. If, let's say, uh, I'm trying to think, of, if Mississippi State, when they beat Auburn, if they had stormed the court, right? because Auburn was highly rated at the time, and they had hurt Janai Broom, and let's say he's only out for four or five games, or let's say he's out for the year, whatever, I bet you'd feel differently. And that's that's my point, is like, we're getting there. I mean, you're right. I do think if it had happened to a smaller school, there wouldn't be as much outcry. But that's why I feel like we're lucky to be catching it before somebody gets really hurt. But that's where it's trending. Again, I implore you, go back and look at the video. I was more on the side of let's figure out a way to make it. But until I saw the video of the Filipowski thing again, where the coach was coming out, people were putting phones right in his face 
I mean, these college-age kids that have probably been drinking and, you know, they were hyped up, geeked up. They're putting phones right in his face saying things. They're putting phones right in Filipowski's face saying god-awful things. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, everybody's trying to, you know, there's, there's YouTubers who make a living pulling these pranks, going to airports and taking people's luggage to see their reaction and things like that. And some people react by, you know, beating the crap out of them. And, and they're like, hey, it's just a prank. Well, I mean, some people don't look at it that way. I mean, if I'm Filipowski, um, I'm not looking at it like, hey, these are just college kids wanting to have fun. I'm like, I have a professional career to think about, and uh, I don't want you guys running on the court uncontrolled, un- uncertified, unsupervised, uh, and potentially hurt me for my future. That, And if you do that, then I would sue Wake Forest, the ACC, and everybody that I could get my hands on. So I, I will say this, Luke, it, uh, also remind you, I have been the entirety of my life a North Carolina fan. I have watched North Carolina have the court storm on them way too many times to count. Uh, so I, I have been well-versed, unfortunately, because it does happen a lot. But um, obviously injuries are way awful, but that is why I'm at the solution where if you give people a full minute, it does not take you more than 10 seconds to evacuate a basketball court. If you – uh, if you give uh, a, a full minute to people uh, after uh, you know X amount of time, they're going to be able to get off the court. And if they did it, they did not attempt to in any way. And yes, you go into well, then who whose fault is what after a minute? I get there's there's other things to go through there, but I also think that um, we've done this for a long time, and I know that things do change, but let's at least attempt to change with them instead of, nope, can't have any of it, can't have it at all. Let's at least try to find a compromise where instead of just saying, oh, because there's a circumstance we don't like, we have to completely rid of it, let's try to find a way to think through it and find something to where you can be more protected as an athlete, but also fans can still have their fun. And I guess I'm just falling on the side of the athlete looking at it through their lens that, I hear what you're saying. I think that'd be fun. But if I were the athlete, and let's say I just lost a quadruple triple, uh, quadruple overtime game where uh, I missed a last-second shot to win it, I don't really care if uh, you guys want to storm the court. And, like, my, you know, I just put my heart and soul on the court, and I were sitting there just thinking about how I'd let my teammates down. I, I don't want to be uh, regulated by – a 30-second or one-minute window so that you can come out and celebrate at my expense. I mean, that's, I guess that's another way to look at it through the athlete's lens. But, again, I would be on your side that I'm for court storming, but I just, you know, times have changed. We we used to just get on an airplane and smoke, if you remember. <laughs> and you can't, you, now you can't even take toothpaste on there. Right. So you can't take a water on there. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, and we always figure out a way. It's still We still travel. I mean, uh, you know, here's the other thing. Tom said, hey, how are they ever going to figure out how to stop this? Well, we figured out a way to have a football season during COVID. We figured out how to uh, have a SEC tournament and a whole SEC basketball season during COVID. We figured out how to have a Super Bowl. We'll figure it out. I mean, but you got to be safe about it. And um, we just live in troubling times where, you know, you didn't ever used to worry about somebody coming out and hurting you if they storm the court. Like, that never crossed anybody's mind. 
And now, I mean, I, I feel like we've already seen two incidents where it's happened, and, and you say, well, these are isolated. Well, they happened in the same year, about four weeks apart. So I'm, I'd say it's getting a little more regular than it ever has been. Sure. Sure. Well, we appreciate the phone call today, Luke, and I appreciate the conversation. All right, guys. Have a good one. That is Luke from Alex City joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Any thoughts, guys, before we go um, to our next break? I, I was sitting here thinking about it. I, you know, I, I like the, the point that Luke made about, uh, you know, if you want to completely stop it, to raise the fines on schools and they'll find a way to stop it if you start finding them more. I still think that students and, and fans would still find a way around it. Here, the, the thing that I'm think, I'm, I was trying to think about here while, while Luke was talking is how do you, if you are, if I, and again, I'm still not in, in favor of stopping it altogether, but how, if, you, if you are going to stop it altogether, if, if leagues, if, if conferences are going to stop it altogether, how do you make it so that the people that are doing the, doing the, the court storming are punished? And I went back to the silent baseball game. I don't know if y'all remember it when there was protests and stuff in Baltimore and they closed the game and it was a empty, this was before COVID. So it was just an empty baseball stadium. I think it was the White Sox and the Orioles and there was, nobody was allowed in. There were some people that stood at the gates and like kind of watched from the gates, but nobody was allowed in. That is, that is what I would think. That's the only way you could do it. Or one of the few ways that you could do it is to say, all right, you storm the court, no fans next game. And you lose a home court advantage, kind of. Um, and the school then is affected, and then it's like, well, now we're going to find a way to, to 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 rid that and to to get you know have things. And it's going it would affect the fans that go would go to the game because you can't go then go to the next game, and then it would affect the school because you're hurting their finances of having the the income of a of a full on uh, basketball game, base you know football game, whatever. I think that that would be one way that I could say if you were trying, and again, I'm not for uh, shutting it down. I, I like your idea of having there be a little bit of a, a grace period, a little bit of a cool down period, and then let folks come onto the floor. But if you were going to stop it altogether, that's one way that I would think of is just say, I no fans the next game. We do need to take our first time out here of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about this. Again, if you want to give a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9. Tiger 9, sports call returning after this timeout. been on the air since 1995. The Hornets are back on the diamond this spring, and you can come along for all the action. I'm Tim Sin, voice of the Borgard Hornets, inviting you to join us for select games of Borgard baseball and softball all season long on Tiger 95.9. Both teams are looking to fight their way back into the postseason with revamped squads. Check out our website, thetiger.fm, for a complete schedule of upcoming broadcasts. Borgard baseball and softball live on Tiger 95.9. Brought to you by Auburn Bank, Coca-Cola, Chevron with Tecron, Kenny Knox Tire Center, May Refrigeration, Lifesavers Mission Thrift Store, the Orthopedic Clinic, Southeastern Land Group and Borgard Drugs. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Beautiful day today, mid-70s. Not if you wanted one more dose of winter, but beautiful, beautiful day if you like warmth. And just solid, objectively good weather days. Very good day. But don't also... It, it may just keep getting warmer and warmer and warmer from right. here, but let's also remember there have been times where yeah. we've had brutal cold in March. So oh, yeah. it can still come back. Uh, 1993, one of the worst snow slash ice storms I can ever remember was in March. 1993. 2016, I think it was daytime highs of 30s in May. We had a, a cold snap because I was trying to go. Right. To the, uh, it was rainy and cold for the Auburn-Alabama baseball series. Auburn ended up losing that series to Alabama. But I left town because I was like, the Friday night game got rained out. I wasn't sticking around. It was cold. and uh, It happens. So you can still have one last blast. But uh, for now, much warmer temperatures. And I'm in a hoodie and jeans. <laughs> there, there you go. You're, you're dressed for it. <laughs> if the weather were to change in the negative, you're, you're dressed I'm for waiting. it. I'm waiting. Uh, so, guys, we were talking again about the court stormings on the other side of this break. Uh, all, all opinions out there from no more court storming at all to a leeway period to um, just leave it as be. It's my opinion that they're going to end up doing something. Um, I think the national conversation is going to go so in one direction that they're going to do something about it. Uh, I do think that um, when you factor in who it's factoring in, you know, I was at, for example, I was at the UAB in Memphis game back a month ago. If UAB had stormed the court on Memphis, I, I don't know if that would have gotten the national attention uh, with all due respect as it would have Duke. Um, but I, I think that there are some, again, varying opinions. Um, and I think that, like I said, I think that it will end up going to a place where they will change something. Again, you, you heard, if you were listening on the previous side of the break, I would like them not to go all the way to the uh, level of getting rid of them. Um, I think that there is still a happy medium. Um, I also think the timeliness, I know another thing Luke brought up was, again, you know, if they're, they're very emotional afterwards and they stay there for a second. Usually you don't see that on the road. In in some part, some part due to the court storming, usually it's something you see like in the NCAA tournament or in the S or in the conference tournament. Someone be like, "Oh man, our season just ended." Type of thing. Usually, you you are very capable of walking yourself off the court uh, or off the playing surface. So again, I again that's allowing maybe for an extreme case too. And and to be fair, these are extreme cases. But um, I do want to get more callers' opinions here. So we've got another phone call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 9 at Tiger9. Next up today. Real Deal from Coosa County. Real Deal is with us. Real Deal, how are you today? Oh. We'll have to get Real Deal to call back there. Uh, Real Deal will give us another call back because uh, we, we lost connection there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, again, I, I figured this would draw some conversation ultimately at the end of the day. Uh, and I think that, again, usually you're not talking about a Duke-Wake Forest game all over the place in February. Um, but, again, we had a different circumstance in this one. Any any other thoughts, guys? Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just – I. I I really feel like it's just kind of knee jerk to a couple of isolated incidents, but I mean, but I also like I said, 
I understand. Do you want to do something now or wait until you have an absolute catastrophe on your hands? Uh, you know, dude sticking his leg out and getting it hit is one thing. Caitlin Clark uh, getting bumped into a knockdown is one thing. I mean, do you just let it go until something major happens or do you try to snuff it out now before you have a, a something just tragic beyond belief happen on a, on a field or on a court? So I, I get the reasoning behind it, but uh, I'm, it's going to take a lot to do that. I mean, you'd literally have to just start arresting people. Like, I mean, rounding up in mass, arresting people for for going out there, and I I don't know that they can do that. All right, let's uh, let's try this again. Real deal from Coosa County. Real deals with us. Real deal. We got you. I got cut off system. Hey man, let me ask y'all something. Have y'all watched the uh, South Carolina girls team? Did Did Auburn lose to South Carolina? No. Have you all ever watched South Carolina? Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. They are really, really good. Did you watch the Tennessee game? I did not. Okay. Listen to me good, all y'all. When they played Tennessee, they went on the road. Okay? They dominated Tennessee. All this stuff, I still don't say I know you guys don't agree with me on all the stuff. They took... Tennessee fans off the game. You get focus and concentrate, you take the crowd off the game. Okay, Auburn, glad that we won the game, but that was pathetic. You had a 14-point lead, and you let the guys come back. That's no excuse at home. Jordan was at home, whole lot of fans, so when they were in jail, uh-uh, that's bull crap. Now, I'm not an Alabama fan, but that's one thing I liked about Nick Saban. He made his players play with confidence. And everybody Alabama played, y'all even said Alabama had a chance to win in football. That's coaching. Now, if you watch South Carolina game, y'all just make it y'all business one day to watch the South Carolina girls team. Stan Daly. Have those girls focus the whole game. They got a girl out there that can almost dunk like a man. She's focused. Now, Auburn took a 14-point lead, shooting 62%, and you let Georgia come back. They play defense, but they play defense when they get ready. Georgia forced them to win the game, you know. And the point I'm trying to get across to y'all I don't care what y'all say. Everybody got to get to their opinion. They keep playing like that. You're not going to get far in the Mars Madness. I'm just telling you. And Kyle Perry, he needs to be run out of college basketball. He was born at Alabama and took his fire out and let Alabama put up 90-some points. That's inexcusable. If you born Alabama out, you continue to pound them and pound them and make an example and make a showing to let the SEC know, hey, Kentucky's back, but Kentucky's not back. Calipari takes a big lead on Alabama and start putting all these other players in. Uh-uh. You play on the team. Now, if y'all want South Carolina, just make it y'all business to watch South Carolina when they play their next game. They don't play like girls. They don't play like 
young women. They play focused. They play focused ball. Those girls run plays. They shoot threes. All these girls up 14 points. I watched that whole game. They went up 14 points. I said, well, maybe they finna just go ahead and put Judge away. That's just strength, guys. Now, I hadn't played at the college level, but I played at the high school level. I played for Bingham Russell in Alexander City, Alabama. And when we took the lead, we played the ball. We stayed in the lead. And our coaches always told us, let's stay focused on taking the lead. And when you take a lead, guys, that takes anybody you play out the game. That takes a crowd out the game. That lets the team know, that lets the crowd know, all the titles are for real. They are coming to play for real. But that crowd, you take a 14-point lead and let them guys almost come back. That ain't nothing. And Carwell, he needs to be running the bleachers because he's nothing but a cheerleader. Every time he does a big play, he wants to cheer. Johnson, he's a good player, but he's not consistent. He see, hey, Owen plays what you call urgent ball. Hey, man, we lose. We need to come back. I don't fault me. I don't fault who freeze for that, not who freeze. I don't fault Bruce Taylor for that. I fault the team for that. You don't play like that. You have a 14-point lead and – a lot of teams almost come back, but see, everybody said, well, you're that job, at home. It don't matter. It don't matter if we in Muslim beat Japan. That's not a country. I'm just making up a name. It don't matter where you're at. If you focus and you take a lead, you take everybody out the game. I'm going to hang up and get you guys coming all right, we appreciate the phone call. That is real deal from Coosa County there. Uh, a lot of different things uh, that he hit on there. Uh I do appreciate the phone call really wholeheartedly. However, I do disagree with what most of what you said, man. Uh, I, I know you were talking to us about focus last week. Teams make runs, and I know that you're talking about number one South Carolina women's basketball who's undefeated and unbelievable, and they do take a lot of teams out of games and, and that sort of thing. Basketball does have runs, and just about every single team – possible has them and they go against them and that sort of thing so yes georgia did cut the lead down to three midway point in the second half i think it far, tells far more about a team that they survived their best punch from another team and then went and outscored georgia by 18 points in the final 10 minutes of the game um i i again i know that you're saying that you wanted them to to always be up double digits and and just destroy them and and georgia have no life i get it you will make the other team will make some shots. You will miss some shots. There will be runs. That is basketball. Basketball and, is a game of runs. And yes. <laughs> and so I'm sorry, but I think Auburn did a really good job on Saturday of taking their best punch and immediately responding to it rather than Georgia taking a lead, getting away from them, Auburn just totally falling apart. Auburn played about three bad minutes in that entire second half. And so that's their little run. That's great. Auburn immediately took it back up a notch. So um, I know you're big on the focus thing. Again, Auburn is is not below really hardly any of these uh, other top 10, top 20 teams other than maybe a UConn in terms of what happens when they're on the road. Purdue was losing to Michigan, who's like 8-20 and 20 
for a, for a good 15 minutes. Was that a lack of focus out of the gates? I don't know, but they end up winning. They're the number two or three team in the country. They're perfectly great. That runs will happen. I think Auburn did a good job of establishing their force early in the game, uh, establishing force and establishing their lead. And then in the second half, when Georgia did finally make a run, make them a little nervous, Auburn shut it down after about three minutes. So, uh, I, I, I'm not critical of, of that second half of play right there. Um, I know there was a couple other things. Cardwell in there. Yeah, Dylan Cardwell, obviously, energy guy, and he absolutely uh, <laughs> acts like a basketball cheerleader from time to time. He's also the backup center, and he's had a pretty good year. I mean, he's improved in some ways. He's a that, fan favorite. Yeah, like, again, no one's asking him to be the, the best or third or even fifth best player on the team. Uh, that's usually what you want out of your ninth and tenth guys. You want some energy. You want someone that brings morale up. And uh, he has had really good moments this year. He is he's been a little bit better from the foul, a good bit better from the foul line. He uh, continues to be imp- important in terms of protecting the rim. Uh, so again, yeah, he's not some elite player that you know you're just absolutely in love with. But uh, he he is in a role and he performs that role pretty well most times. So. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was one or two other things in there. Um, but, uh, again, I think those those were the main things. So, I, I, again, I think that – I think overall, yes, focus is very important. And, yes, I do feel that, that some teams on the road, maybe including Auburn at times, have these stretches. But, again, that is something that just – comparing to South Carolina women even – and, yeah, maybe they have destroyed every single team they play. That That's also someone that's – better at what they're doing than what anyone at the men's level is doing against the other men right now because even UConn and UConn got crushed by Creighton uh, the other day on the road and then Creighton turned around uh, and I believe uh, lost uh, to St. John's yesterday I, that, that that is that is men's college basketball I can't there are there are usually one of the biggest complaints I've had about the women's game the difference in the top teams to everybody else while it is getting better now. The running joke was you would have to wait till the final four to get any competitive games in women's college basketball because you would just get absolute blowouts because the skill level is just so different from top teams to to middle teams. And I think the skill level had always been a little bit closer in the men's game compared to the women's game. I think finally the women's game is starting to get a little bit tighter, but I still think that there are still more blowouts, a little bit less volatility than there is in the men game but so i i would not be making those comparisons i would be sticking to uh, what we're seeing in the men's game and what we see in the men's game is if you go on the road uh you will have your struggles and someone that wins the national championship this year will have lost multiple road games and had multiple lapses in focus or poor shooting nights or, or whatever angle whatever problem of the day it will be guys anything to add before we run out of time here for the hour Nah, leave Dylan Cardwell alone. <laughs> I like Dylan. I like the fact that he's a cheerleader. I, I like the fact that uh, that KD is is our little psychopath. I I like those things. It, it gives this team character instead of just being just blase basketball players that are no fun to watch. It's like okay, yeah, they're good, but they have no personality to the team. Those guys bring some personality. You know, Dylan Cardwell's not going to be a professional basketball player at the end of his career. He's going to that dude will end up in the entertainment industry somehow, some way. You know, I don't know what KD Johnson's going to do, but I mean, he'll probably still be a, a little psychopath 
in a positive way, emotionally psychopathic, you know, the way his intensity. But, I, I, you know, I, I, I think those guys are fine. Basketball is a game that runs. You knew Georgia was going to go on a run, and I agree, Ryan. The biggest thing is the fact that you you with uh, withstood you it. withstood the storm that was brewing right there because that arena had gotten excited, their team had gotten hot, that game was slipping away. It happens in basketball, but Auburn did not let it slip away. I mean, sure, it got to where you bit all your fingernails off, but they put the they put the pedal down and and it was fine, but. You know, I'm not going to get upset about that basketball game. That, that that game was too fun to find really anything to get upset about. Uh, the, the one other thing I thought about he did mention was uh, Cal Perry and, and uh, Kentucky. Um, and he said it, and Steve said it too, um, and I was going back and looking at it. Kentucky only played 10. They usually play eight. So they played two guys, or one. actually they usually played nine. So they only played one guy they don't normally play. And I just checked it. Rob Dillingham and uh, was still in the game with like 50 seconds left. And Dillingham is is one of their best players. He scores like 17 a game. So they they were not taking all their start. I mean, they might have taken some of their starters out, but Shepard played 32 minutes. He's gonna be a first round pick. Antonio Reeves, one of the SEC all first teamers, played 31 minutes. Uh, Edwards, the kid that went 10 for 10, went 29 minutes. Dillingham 25. So they really. I, they might have made a couple of subs with a minute or two left, but they did not play walk-ons, and they were playing their rotational guys the whole game. So I don't know uh, where it came from that they they were playing nobodies there at the end of the game. They 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 kept scoring uh, up to 117 against Alabama. We are out of time for hour number two and hour number three. More of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Also coming up in hour number three, a little bit about Auburn baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Again, we will be getting to our orthopedic clinic phone line here again in just a second. We do have a little bit of breaking news for you for Auburn football recruiting as Auburn has just landed a four-star commitment from Devin Williams out of Buford, Georgia. For the class of 2025, Devin is a four-star corner 
Uh, all the sites agree on four star. He is as low as 236 in the number 23 corner on on three. He is as high as the number 71 player and number nine corner on ESPN. You factor all the four together. He is the number 122 player nationally, number 14 corner. As uh, Auburn back on the recruiting grind, we went a couple whole weeks without transfer portal and recruiting news, but you know life in that field uh, uh, does not stay very mundane for long. And so Auburn back at it there with a four-star corner out of the state of Georgia in the form of Devin Williams. Life finds a way. Life and recruiting in this instance does find a way. So did want to go ahead and update you on that. We'll have some more thoughts on that. Auburn spring practice coming up a little bit later, if not today, certainly on tomorrow's shortened edition of the program. But let's get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? Fine. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Brooks. Hey. Tom. What's up? Now, like, now, like, Tom and Brooks, I want to tell you what I told Ryan. All right. The guy, I want to tell you something about the guy, what he was saying about Auburn. And Ryan told me to keep it clean. I'm going to keep it clean. The way he said it was going to Auburn trying playing ball, they play straight up nice ball, basketball. The guys just need to leave Caldwell. I agree with Tom. The guys just need to leave Caldwell alone. There Caldwell can take care of Caldwell. Yeah. If Caldwell wants to be a cheerleader, he can be a cheerleader. But the guys just just like to chill. Leave Caldwell alone. Caldwell's a man. He's a grown person. He's old enough. The guy needs to chill. Yeah, as, right. as long as it doesn't affect his play on the basketball court, I'm fine with him doing all the cheerleading. Yeah, but the guy is just easily Caldwell alone. Yeah. And so, but that was a good that was a good game though. I'm glad we won against Georgia. Now my question is. What do you, Tom, your girlfriend has already trivia question for me? Yeah. She does? Yeah. How many does she have? Well, we just got the one right now. Okay, well, uh, before I do that, I have to go. I have to go, but before I do that, I want to ask all three guys, how do you think we can uh, play? How do you think we can beat Tennessee with playing uh, uh, this Wednesday night? Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, I, I think Auburn is going to have to shoot the way they've been shooting, which is very hard to continually obtain that, uh, to be honest with you, because Tennessee can score. Dalton Connect is is probably going to be the SEC player of the year. He's certainly going to be first team all SEC. So Tennessee can score the basketball far better than they can in years past under Rick Barnes. They've still got some pretty good situational defense to them. So it's going to be a very tough matchup for Auburn. And then having to do it on the road – uh, Tennessee is definitely going to be the favored team. Do you guys think that we can still probably beat Tennessee with Williams playing, or how is that going to affect Williams playing? Yeah, I mean, again, Auburn did play so well without him, but I, I would definitely feel better if Jalen Williams could play. We we don't know his status. I, I think that it's probably unlikely that he plays, but we don't know that yeah. for a fact. So I do yeah. think it helped for him to be out there. Well, hey, I'm not trying to mean I'm not. I don't have time to do the chair. My mom said we have to go, have to eat. But Tom, I will do that question next Monday. All right, sounds, sounds good. good. I'll have it ready uh, for you. Uh, hey, Brooks, 
Tell, tell, your, uh, tell your other half I said, hey, and War Eagle, guys. I sure will. War Eagle, Matt. We appreciate the phone call. That was Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Matt for calling in right there. Uh, yeah, again, Auburn, Tennessee, that's going to be a huge one on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be number four versus number 11. Tigers did move up, by the way, three spots in the AP poll. Um, that's also what's interesting, too. I know there's something Steve's going to want to talk about tomorrow or Wednesday, whenever we can get to it. Um, but how difference uh, there is in analytics, what analytics say about Auburn, what human polls say about Auburn, what uh, bracketology says about Auburn, and really all these teams, and, and what's the best way of looking at it and that sort of thing. There are, are a lot of different ways to evaluate basketball teams, and uh, you're, you're certainly seeing kind of all of them say something a little bit differently about Auburn, I believe Auburn is still seven in the net rankings, while they're top ten in Ken Palm. They're number eleven in the AP, yet they're four in a lot, four seeded in a lot of um, bracketologist brackets, which again puts them in that thirteen to sixteen range. So, uh, I know we'll be talking more about that in the coming days, but uh, nevertheless, no matter what, this is a big matchup wherever you rank Auburn uh, at Thompson Bowling Arena to face Tennessee. Uh, tomorrow. Again, uh, if you just missed it, uh, just before Matt's phone call, we mentioned Devin Williams being uh, being the latest commitment for Auburn in the 2025 uh, recruiting cycle. As we get going on that, recruiting never really stops. Uh, so Auburn picking up a four-star corner there. With that latest addition, uh, Auburn stands seventh in the early rankings for the 2025 class. A reminder that they finished eighth according to On3 in 2024. Uh, right now, Devin Williams would grade out as the second highest rated commit so far for Auburn in the 2025 class behind Antonio Coleman, the defensive lineman of Saraland. So right now, Auburn's commitments, Antonio Coleman, D-line Saraland, Devin Williams, corner of Buford, Georgia, Caleb Falk, of course, Keldrick Falk's younger brother out of Highland Home, Malik Autry down the road in Opelika High School, Jordan Crawford, uh, out of Parker High School in Birmingham, another defensive lineman. Kaylin Edwards, another defensive lineman out of Dyersburg, Tennessee. Ryan Gaya out of uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, a three-star tight end. Another tight end, Hollis Davidson out of Petrie City. And Spencer Dowlin, an offensive tackle out of Athens. That is the 2025 class. While we're talking football, guys, let me pose a spring question to you because we will be starting the spring here. Uh, spring practice starting tomorrow for Auburn. They'll go a week, be off a week for spring uh, spring break, and they'll go out at four consecutive weeks up to A-Day. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about the quarterback situation that is going to continue to dominate camp. Uh, my question concentrated on, I guess, Peyton Thorne and quarterbacks. Is there truly, though, anything – I hate to be – this is a skeptical-based question. Is there anything that he can truly do – in spring practice and in a day in a month and a half or so, month and a week, uh, to make you feel confident in him going into 2024? Uh, for me personally, no. Um, but that caveat there is that's me because I'm not there watching all the practices. Uh, a day is just whatever. You take a day with an absolute grain of salt. Um, it's not going to boost my confidence at all. Now, can he do stuff in spring that boosts the confidence of the coaching staff as far as, like, his work in the, the film room? Like, is has he suddenly become a, a film savant? 
and can diagnose plays, you know, out the wazoo and show that in the spring practices and things like that where you know, we're not privy to that information. So can he boost the confidence of the staff? That's what I care about. Me, I, I'm not going to be there to see those practices, so I don't know what the coaching staff's going to see. All I know is if he's named the starter going into the season, I'm going to immediately revert back to what I saw last year. and like, oh, boy, that's not good. But you know, maybe he will impress the coaches. But, no, he – it, it, he's not going to impress me until I see it in actual game situations, and then I see the improvement with my own eyes. Then I'll feel better about it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I feel like I need to see him in an actual game situation, not a day centered where he's you know under pressure by people that are actually going to hit him very hard. Um, it's it, it I, uh, that's where my biggest confidence boost would come is to see improvement on the field. Um, from if if we're just speaking about if what it, what's something that can boost my confidence from spring practices and a day, um, the fact here here's what I would say. If you if you go into some of these practices and we're gonna have uh, you know two three four uh, uh, Hugh Freeze pressers and I think one offensive coordinator or offensive coaching staff. Uh, uh, roundtable discussions style things for for media. The quote quotes that come out of there. If if there are, and, and like you said, Tom, we're not privy to all the film and all the practices and everything. If if Freeze and the offensive staff talk about him more than the other quarterbacks in a more positive light. I would be gain a little bit more confidence. Now that doesn't mean it, it's going to take over and, and say, "Oh, yeah, I feel 100% better. This is this is going to be great." Because I still think there's an inkling of once you hit after spring, the transfer portal reopens, some guys get into the transfer portal again. I still think Auburn may go fishing in the portal once again, see if they can find a quarterback to to bring in. But I think that if if the if the coaching staff, if the offensive coaches. Uh, if Hugh Freeze uh, is out here um, during the, his spring pressers and everything, um, speaking very positively, more in favor of him than the other quarterbacks, I think that that's going to boost my confidence at least a little bit. There's nothing he can do in the spring in the in the A day game that was going to make me say, "Oh, this is it," because we've seen running backs have huge uh, games. Uh, we've had seen players really have huge games in the A day game, and they have didn't see the field at all the next year. And so it, it's, it, it, yeah, the A-Day game is what it is. The short answer for me is no, not really, uh, because you can have the most beautiful practice player just not figure it out on game day. Yeah. We all know that. And going up against the same guys week in, week out is a, just a far different dynamic. The one thing that I will be very concentrated on the kind of my thing of the spring with Peyton Thorne. And this could go for any quarterback, but again, particularly Peyton Thorne and Tom broached the subject a little bit. What kind of decisions is he making? What do the coaches say about his decisions on RPOs and throwing the right read and that sort of thing? Because that is something, if you remember, even back to the very first couple of games last year against the lesser competition, even before the Cal game, Peyton Thorne was putting up fine numbers for just, destroying smaller teams you heard Hugh Freeze talk about well I didn't like four or five decisions that Peyton made I thought he should have thrown it here or I thought he should have run it here 
And so even before we knew about the under 100-yard passing games and inconsistencies and wide receivers not making plays and Thorne not processing things, before we knew any of that, we knew that Peyton Thorne, in the coach's eyes, was not making enough correct decisions. So that's something I want to see how Hugh Freeze grades that in the spring. And one of the positives for me in Hugh Freeze being very open and honest about stuff like lack of talent or or assessing players even in a negative way, although you might think of it as negative, I think of it as more of a positive in times like this because it's not as you know, it's not as bull related. It is more if he's struggling, Hugh Freeze is going to say, we're not happy about this, and we're not going to sugarcoat it. He needs to do a better job. But if he is actually improving in the decision-making process, Hugh Freeze will sell you. He is doing a better job making decisions. We were pleased with this. He only made one bad decision in practice today. He's doing a good job. I think that's the upside to you have a coach that does be a little bit more critical. Of course, it you can go – too far the other way too quickly and say, well, maybe the coach should coach better. I, I get all that. But when you are very open about your assessment of these players, you can read a little bit more in the positive because these other guys that won't criticize a player or uh, will just constantly give you, give you BS. These, these guys, um, you can't put any stock into when they're saying something positive about their players, because they're always saying something positive about their guys and that sort of thing. And, and that's not realistic most of the time. So um, I will be following very closely as we get uh, to these press conferences, to these spring balls, how Hugh Freeze is grading Peyton Thorne's decision-making. Because I also think, by the way, we will see more RPOs in 2024. We saw them some early in the year. We saw less of them, it felt like, as the year progressed. Maybe that was because he did not like the decisions Peyton was making. Maybe that's just something Phil Montgomery wanted to do, not uh, wanted to do, not Hugh Freeze, in terms of Hugh Freeze has always been more of an RPO guy. Maybe Phil Montgomery was the one that called a lot of that off. Phil Montgomery's not here anymore. I would be a little surprised if we did not see more RPOs. And decision-making for that, it, it doesn't really change a lot. Like, a good decision is a good decision, bad bad. You're looking at placement of players. You're looking at placement of defensive ends and – and linebackers and how close the corners are playing to the line of scrimmage. Those are the some of the things you're looking at there with RPOs, and that doesn't really change no matter who is wearing what number on the other side. So um, that's my biggest thing with Peyton. Ultimately, even if he gets good marks, that will just be very concentrated and small optimism. It will not be, I come to the pulpit bearing great news, we are all saved, he's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be like that, but – um, I think listening to how he grades decision making and how he grades any of their decision making, how he talks about Walker Wide, you know, because this is also too at some point. This is now year three of Holden Gurner. At some point, Holden Gurner is going to have to either step up or or he's going to never be the guy. And I know that Peyton Thorne's going to have like a ninety percent chance to win this job, but you've got to be slightly uncomfortable if you were waiting for Holden Gurner to take this job. If in year three, he still cannot win this job. If Peyton Thorne's even looking a bit average or like he did last year, you, you ask yourself, what, where is the development process on him and, and why is he not getting it? Will he ever get it? Because Auburn's not had the kind of quarterback play 
for young guys just to be impenetrable, right? I mean, Auburn's not had the lockdown guy. You say, that freshman or sophomore just has no chance to win from this guy. No, you've had a chance. This will be the second real competition you'll be in. But even your the three years ago, or even your freshman year, it wasn't like you didn't have an opportunity there once you had the Bo Nix injury and you had TJ Finley in and that sort of thing. So you've had opportunities to go and take – playing time away and at no point has he done it so i'm also interested i guess too and it's not peyton thorn part of the question if he's not winning the job you ask yourself why is that and is that really fixable after a third year of a of some sort of quarterback battle if not for the number two spot his freshman year certainly for the real job both last year and this year uh, when we know the job to be pretty open as we go to commercial break here want to give the opportunity uh, to ch- uh, change things up a little bit, we have some Auburn baseball tickets for tomorrow night inside of Plainsman Park. Four Auburn baseball tickets for Auburn and Sanford tomorrow night in Plainsman Park. The first caller right now at 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 gets four tickets to Auburn baseball versus Sanford tomorrow night in Plainsman Park. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday afternoon turning into evening. Coming up in just a few minutes, best and worst of the weekend. But before we do that, I guess it's part of the best, if your best is going to be Auburn athletics related. Auburn baseball with a pretty successful weekend down in Jacksonville, Florida. Did have to dodge some rain uh, on Friday. So they got kind of a late start as they took on a top 20 opponent against Iowa. And uh, it did not deter Auburn at all. Auburn obviously entered the weekend 4-0. They had swept uh, Eastern Kentucky the weekend before. They had won the midweek against UAB. And then they go to Jacksonville, Florida. They defeat Iowa, number 18 ranked Iowa at the time, 7-5. They then throttle Wichita State 19-8. to Who needs pitching and defense? 
And then a well-played baseball game against number 10, Virginia. Auburn falling just short, losing 6-4. to 6-1 and one for the Tigers. Guys, uh, any takeaways now that we are seven games into things and Auburn's played a couple ranked teams? Uh, I mean, I, I still – I think this team is – I think this Auburn team is a very dangerous team uh, in the country right now, and I think they've shown it going up against some uh, ranked opponents. And uh, I, I there's definitely some – it's down not a perfect team by any stretch. They, there's some pitching stuff that they've got to get worked out uh, with some guys because uh, even in the wins you gave up, you know, quite a lot of runs. Uh, so I'm sure that there's some stuff that uh, he's going to want to look at with the pitching and some things like that. The offense seems like it's it's hitting pretty pretty good, really up and down the lineup. You don't just have one or two guys that are. Uh, that are hot you you've got guys up and down the lineup that are hitting the ball so i mean offensive wise i think it's good uh as it was expected to be but i i think if there's one the one negative thing is they they got to kind of figure out some things in the pitching uh maybe start l- trying to limit some of these runs that they're giving up yeah you know i i think the bigger the the big thing here is you see you know especially yesterday in that game against uh in, against virginia uh, I think you saw the the bats go down a little bit. The Auburn, uh, they they ended up with seven hits, four runs, but uh, there was quite a few opportunities for them to to get some timely hits, and that they didn't really come. And so the the I think this team showed that they could play with some of the better teams in the country, um, which is which is great because you're going to be facing some of the best teams in the country when you hit uh, SEC play. Um, yeah, still so the, the pitching side of things. There's there's a couple things that you can work out. Um, I think uh, Carson Myers, who was the SEC Pitcher of the Week last week, had you know had a fine outing. It was uh, only gave up two runs, some three hits, uh, and so they, it was just Virginia took took advantage of uh, opportunities that were given to them uh, for early on. I still think he had a fine outing uh, for for the Tigers. I think Joseph Gonzalez had a fine outing against uh, Wichita State. And I think you saw that Auburn uh, on Friday when you were going up against a a Friday night starter, a the Big Ten preseason pitcher of the year. They were a little bit sluggish to start things off, and then when he got out of there, they took advantage of him not being there and into the you know getting into the bullpen. And that's some of the things that you're going to have to do, especially on Friday nights in the SEC when you're facing these big time pitchers that some of these SEC teams have. Is you're going to have to you know try to. You know, try to stay in the ball game with the the big big time pitcher in there. But as soon as they get out and they bring in the bullpen, you got to try to take advantage of that. You've got to try to go in and wake those bats up late. Um, that's going to be you know mean a little bit more consistent hitting than what we've uh, what we've seen. But I think this Auburn baseball team uh, they they've shown that they can play with with uh, especially this week and they can play with some of the big some of the best teams in the country, which is a very very positive sign this early in the season. Yeah, and, and look, I think that. Um we also, again, always got to remember that college baseball is a higher scoring uh, form of baseball than professional baseball, right? So if you follow Major League Baseball, you follow 162, you love the Braves, you love whoever, you know, you get used to a certain type of game and uh, a certain certain statistical marks. Um, you get used to 300 being a great batting average. You get used to being – wanting guys to be in the twos and threes ERA-wise of your bullpen guy two starters you want, sub four. That dynamic is a little different in uh, college baseball. I mean, you frequently see guys in the 300s, really 400 
in college baseball is the 300 of Major League Baseball. I mean, you could go a full 100 points kind of more if you wanted to line it up symmetry with, you know, maybe 10, 15 guys hit 300 in Major League Baseball, 10, 15 guys at least hit 400 in college baseball for a season. So you kind of look at it like that. You also look at it, Auburn had, I think, team ERA last year, low fives ERA, I believe was what it was, something there. That was 10th or 11th in the SEC, which means, yes, a five-something ERA was not really that close to being the worst in the league. There were three or four teams worse than that. So what I'm telling you is 6-4 to four is kind of your standard college baseball game. It is certainly not a high-scoring game. And so you look at Auburn as a team average of 262 through seven games. You, you consider their game against UAB where they only had three or four hits. They, they walked a ton. Still trying to figure out what exactly this offense is. Now, I'm not telling you the pitching uh, – pitching rotation is all figured out it's all perfect but you had your chances in that game six again six to four you could kind of go either way if you want to play a blame game but i will tell you that in the in college baseball that's very normal to give up five or six runs um especially against good teams like virginia so i didn't think they did a horrible job on sunday yes the wichita state game got uh pretty darn crazy uh in terms of scoring 19-8 i think I think in that type of game, though, you're throwing arms that you just, yeah. you know, you're just trying to see what they got. If they don't have it, that's fine. They're not going to end up pitching much this year. And they, I mean, they weren't using a lot of those top arms. But, uh, you know, I think overall, pretty solid start because what I'm telling you is I do see potential problems, but I also see a team that's probably got more to do, more to improve, more to grow. And they're sure, six yeah. to one. And they're six and one. And, and they've only played two close games all year yeah. and they won one of them. So. It's still way, way too yeah. early in the season to really get a good grasp on what it is. They're supposed to be good. We know right. they're supposed to be good. They haven't shown me anything that makes me look at the team and go, ooh, gosh, that's bad. I mean, they, they play a really good brand of ba- – uh, almost said basketball. They play a really good <laughs> they brand. They Yeah, well, they may play basketball. Huh? Um, they play a very good brand of baseball. Um. Not perfect by any stretch, but, you know, they're good. Um, They're good. They've got some great players, especially in that that batting lineup. We know they've got some great pitchers. Even Joseph Gonzalez is really good. Um, But, yeah, it's really too early to get a good sample size. But, I mean, so far, you can't can't really ask for much more. Sure. I mean, sure, you'd have liked to have gotten that win over Virginia. But, I mean, goodness gracious, they're one of the best teams in the entire country. And it was still enough in D1 baseball's rankings. Auburn was not ranked coming into the weekend. They are now ranked 23rd. So, they are ranked, and they're ranked pretty much every poll. They did knock Iowa out of the poll. They're no longer rated. Uh, Virginia is still 13th. They were 14th in the D1 baseball. I know we've said 10th. That was another poll. That's the other thing about these sports. It's a little bit more confusing on which poll should there's be. Like, yeah, there's like 20 different baseball polls <laughs> right. out there. And so it's like, hey, you know, Joe, Joe Clark at the whatever ranked a 16th. So uh, the number 16th ranked Auburn <laughs> right. Tigers. You just like, kind of take your highest well, ranking okay. and <laughs> tell them that's your ranking. Yeah. So, uh, But uh, D1 baseball is someone we've had uh, plenty of their riders on in the past. We'll have some more on this year. And um, that is one of the more respected ones that coaches poll you could go with, that sort of thing. Uh, but Auburn is ranked just about all of them now. So they are trending up. And, of course, they'll play Sanford again uh, tomorrow night inside of Plainsman Park looking to try to get to 7-1 and one on the season. We're going to take our next time out on the show when we come back. Best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
you want to join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy. I missed a text about 15 or 20 minutes ago from uh, Matt from Phoenix City. And uh, he uh, doesn't have the opportunity to call in, but he did want to give a thought on the uh, A-Day. And he said, if Peyton Thorne goes off on A-Day, that would only concern me for the defense. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, and see, that's also why I tell – and I, I think we've probably taken all joy and fun out of A-Day because we pound this every year. But um, that's that's where I get to. I, I get into, well, which unit? You know, Does that just mean the other unit's bad? It's, it's hard to have many absolutes right. five months before the season to where you're just so confident in one position group. You're just so confident uh, in an entire unit even that – you can't. You just get concerned about the other thing. Oh, the offense ran for 387 yards. Oh no, the defensive line—they're <laughs> too small. The quarterback throws three interceptions. We've got some ball hawks, but we're going to have 30 turnovers. You know, it's a, it's a lot of give and take there. Um, but, That's why I always say take take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. In 2010, after the A Day game, there were some people that were like, I don't know about this Cam Newton guy. Right. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, alas. <laughs> alas, we saw what happened. Uh, all these years later, fighting six people because people still don't respect them. I yeah. guess I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, as we do each and every Monday, we want to get to a fun part of the show. It's time for Best and Worst. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. All right, Best and Worst of the weekend. Let's go worst first. Oh, that's worst. not what Tom wanted to do. Uh, Brooks, do you have worst. a worst? Yeah, I got a worst. Okay. Um, we uh, Steve brought it up earlier. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but the uh, the video that came out about the guys jumping Cam Newton at a seven on seven tournament. Yep. Um, I don't know what the context is behind it. Obviously, I don't know if any if anybody's uncovered that yet. But um, you know, Cam. Cam Why Newton, didn't you fall on the ball? <laughs> yeah, they may have been disgruntled <laughs> Panther fans. Um, it's you know it's 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 sad because it's you know he's Cam Newton's done these seven on seven tournaments for a while uh, since he got in, uh, was a pro uh, with the Panthers and it you know to help the you know kids that are that are you know may not be in the biggest organized you know schools and may not be you know the best uh, in the best situations he's been out there helping putting on these seven on seven tournaments and uh, and and doing a lot of good in the community and. Again, don't know what the context is of the situation, but you know, out there, you know, he, he's you know out there after the fact, and and people are coming up, and you know, six people are attacking him. I, I don't know, yeah. you know, that's it's not it's not great, and so that that's my worst of the weekend is he's you know he's out there trying to do some good for the community, and people are out there trying to go you know go fight him and stuff, and, and losing by the way. <laughs> All right, Tom. Uh man, I 
You know, I just I could. There were so many bests of the weekend that I had not really like set my heart on a worst of the weekend. But I mean, I guess if there was one, it would be that Auburn dropped that last game in baseball in Jacksonville. And I mean, it's a pretty good weekend when that's your worst. Yeah, but I mean, it was an Auburn loss, so that's bad. I guess that softball loss to the Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't even know that happened until I saw it go across the ticker, and I was like, Ugh. "Whoops, yeah. Ooh, gross!" And then they didn't respond the best way. Either. They beat them the second time, but it was one to zero. Right. So well, well. So here, <clears throat> here's the thing, and this is going to be we we haven't even touched softball yet today, but that's one of the things that all eyes are on on Mickey Dean right now is can that Auburn team find can they find some consistent enough offense. You know they've got great great pitching. They always have, and that's Mickey Dean's thing is pitching. But for years now, I mean, this team has just struggled mightily to score runs, and that always costs them throughout the season. So, I don't know. Once again, softball struggling to put runners across the plate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i a little bit worried about it at this point. We'll see. They are 7-2-1 and two and one to start yeah. the year. Um you know they had a big result to to get a win against Utah in the in the non conference tournament down in Mexico, but was one zero was a walk off walk right. So a walk off walk yeah. yeah. So um, this the challenge they're gonna have in the SEC each and every week, and I don't know. It, last year felt like the year a they were they were robbed last year. They should have hosted. Right. They were a top sixteen team. They were third in the SEC. They should have hosted. Um, and not hosting obviously hurt the ability to advance. Didn't get out of the regional, etc. That felt maybe like their best shot. They lost some big bats. They brought in a couple. Millie Lex already got, I think, four or five home runs. Mm-hmm. There's some hope there, but I mean, they lost some quality players on, yeah. in the lineup. and We'll see, but early returns, nothing to change the equation is how I would put it right yeah. now. Um, yeah, worst of the weekend, I, I will tell you this. I, I know we've talked a little a lot about it. My worst of the weekend is, in fact, the court storming, and it's not – Look, there were some wrongs. We didn't talk about the fact Wake Forest did have students on the court with .2 seconds remaining, like uh, prematurely on the court. Like, okay, can't have that. But I really hate this just the situation, my worst of situations as a whole, because I genuinely still think that it would be a shame to completely rid the sport of it. Right. Um, I think it is a fun part of college athletics. And in this age where we're already doing a lot of things to make it feel a bit more professional here and there, what, one of the most special things about college sports is fans and about how some of the most jubilant reactions in sports history have come with fans rushing fields and rushing courts and the fact that uh, that college games are louder than professional games and just the environment is something special. And I just hate that the reaction has been – just automatically to the other side. So there is no room to think about this, to think about how we can make it a little safer for players and maintain some sort of fun aspect. And uh, I I said my solution earlier in the show about about getting to to the point where we need to – have a, a happy medium and it's regretful that it's gotten to the point already on just two instances in just this year um, where we've gotten – where we can't have the conversation to, to try and figure out the, the middle ground. Right. And 
I feel that's something that happens far too often is go from one extreme to another. And I think that you ought to be able to, um, to be able to have something in the middle there. So that's, that's regrettable to me. Um, I think that they, again, my solution was to have a, a, just a a minute or so of leeway time. Yes. It it creates a little less fun because it's not sudden and all that, but allows the players get off the court. I would ask you if you're a road player, what are you doing on the court after a minute or two? Well, because I because mm-hmm. I watch you watch any of it. I watch. I'm, we're at Auburn at Neville Arena all the time. These road players, if they lose a game, they don't just go. I mean, like I know Auburn's not gonna rush a court, so they could meander if they want to. They go straight to the locker room because they want to go home. They got a bus to catch. They all got right. all that. They don't just linger on the court. The only time you see players linger on the court from the road team or from another team if they lose is usually if there is a scuffle or if it's the NCAA tournament and their season ended and their career just ended or whatever. So, anyway, uh, that's a hot-button topic. I, I know we got one more phone call here. It's got to be very quick. We're running out of time for the show. So, real quickly, we've got time for Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Again, Anthony, just a minute or two with us. How are you? Well, that's all it's going to take. Look at him. You don't need nobody. In this day and time, you don't need nobody rushing the court. You got, uh, excuse me, you got fans that are high on alcohol or, or whatnot. Uh, most people don't know how to act. They don't know how to behave. Uh, from a security standpoint, that's just too much of a liability. I mean, you got to be worried about this and that and protecting so and so and all the crazy people going on in the world. Just go ahead and ban that. If you want to go celebrate, go down to Tumor's Corner or like Auburn do or somebody can find them a corner or someplace on campus for that sort of thing. I mean, you know, you had a player got hurt. Uh, Kalen Clark got scuffed up a little bit. Uh, uh, this player this weekend, uh, he uh, hey, he got hurt or whatnot. If I was his parents, I'd sue the university for, for not providing the proper protection since he's gotten hurt and let them pay out shell out some money, a couple million dollars or whatever it be, uh, for not having uh, the, the right, right amount of security there to protect, protect him uh, or whatnot. You just don't need that nonsense. People are not like they were 40 or 50 years ago. People are just plumb crazy nowadays. So uh, you go ahead and eliminate all that by just not having it. Just let out tell them you rush this court, you're going to jail, and you're going to pay a fine and uh, or whatnot or be suspended from school or whatever you got to do. You don't need that madness in today's society. It just, you just don't need it. It's just too much going on. People with backpacks and bombs in them and or whatnot or got a rifle in some kind of a backpack or some kind of case or some kind of weapon. To, to eliminate anybody getting seriously hurt, just go ahead and ban it all together and mean it. Uh, so what? Again, we're almost out of time, but uh, my my quick rebuttal is Anthony. Why why would it not be a good idea to give a minute or two leeway to let the players uh, leave the court and then to rush the court? No, no, no. You don't need it. Too much chaos. Too much could go on. Fans get to fighting. Uh, people ton other fans and saying things and whatnot. You just don't need it. Just just do away with it. Period. Be through with it. And uh, uh, law enforcement already got enough to handle. Then they don't need it. Just. With the game over with, get in your car and go home. Go to the bathroom, whatever, on the way out of the venue, stadium, or arena, or whatever you're in, and go home. Yeah, I just disagree. Well, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Appreciate the phone well, call, Anthony. you can Anthony. disagree all you want, but when somebody gets hurt, then maybe you'll start singing a different tune. How about that? Uh, all right. Uh, if you clear the court, then you will not have that with players getting hurt. You don't know what you have when you got people running around. You know what, Anthony? Why do we have fans? Then why do we even have fans? Because they could all you can, get hey, drunk. You, can, you, you have can, fans, you get drunk, hey, and you could holler, and you could do all this. Can, and so You can cheer somebody on without doing all that. You can cry, holler, and cheer somebody on and love your team without any kind of chaos or something stupid. All that can be done without that. Just get rid of it, period. That's just it. 
It's just too much. This is a different day now. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. It's too much going on for law enforcement. Everybody be worried about some idiot doing something stupid and hurt somebody at a celebration because they ain't got no sense or what's something wrong with them or whatever it is. Just do away with it. For public safety reasons, do away with it. If you don't like it, it's just too bad. Ain't nothing you can do about it. And when I want to call, I'll call in. If you want to have them on the show, you can. You don't know what not. But anyway, I got a opinion. That's it. And I'm pretty sure that everybody listening to the show would agree in this day and time that way things are now. You just don't need that. People are, are now scared to even go to church without some idiot uh, coming in and just start shooting and carrying on. I mean, that's just what it is. Now, you can take it or leave it or whatever you want to do with it, but I'm going to go to work and clock in and make me some money. I'll holler at y'all later. Have all a good. All right, Anthony, don't be too scared at work. That's Anthony from Auburn joining us at the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, where obviously it's very simple to him. And, again, as I said earlier, no one is – uh, no one is able to have the middling opinion. You have to be one way or another. So That's here's here's at. the one thing that I will say about that. It is already illegal to rush a court or a field. It is banned. That's why schools have to pay a fine every time it happens. Now, schools are paying the fines, so there's that. But it's it's already banned. You're you're not allowed to do that. There there are punishments for that. Now. Are you talking about getting hundred, rounding up hundreds and hundreds of people, and sticking them in, sticking them in jail? Then, I, I mean, I guess you could start doing that. Federal government's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we have time for a real quick best guys, real quickly. Dylan Carwell's three in the celebration afterwards. Right, there's numerous that I could put on there, but. Watching those guys celebrate over on the sideline after Dylan Cardwell, just the most unlikeliest of three-point shooters hits a three-pointer, that that like pulled me up off the sofa. I was like, I was, I was laughing and carrying on after that one. So definitely a best, uh, best of the week, of many. Best, my best of the weekend was uh, Saturday. Got to hang out with my brother as I mentioned earlier at the uh, the doubleheader NASCAR uh, races for the trucks in Xfinity in Atlanta. Again, just great top-of-the-line venue that Atlanta Motor Speedway's uh, built up over there. Um, great racing. It was super fun. Got to, again, got to spend an afternoon with my brother, which doesn't happen too often. Uh, and so that was that was super, super fun. Bonus one, the no-hitter by Maddie Penty yesterday. Very nice. Yeah, I would say the, the race for sure. But uh, um, I best the weekend be parents were in town, had a really great weekend, uh, a little bit late uh, birthday celebration, so had a really good time with them. Uh, very blessed to have been raised the way that I have been and uh, really love them a lot. So had a great time with them. I'm going to throw another best because I figured one of you would have taken it, but the ending of that NASCAR race last yeah. night, that that was about – you're not going to see a better finish to a race than that unless you put four cars out there. Sure. I mean, that that was crazy. It's game. very, very hard to not know who won at the start-finish line. Very hard. It's <laughs> yes. happened maybe five times ever. Right. Where you have to actually look at the replay. have to go back and watch – and, like, literally, like, the width of a paper between who was at the yellow yeah. line and who wasn't. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, the, a fingernail. Yep. That, that was crazy. All right, Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Calls Nightly TV Guy and presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Did somebody call Gene Steratore to get that ruling? Um, who, who was, uh, it was paper <laughs> Got to get the index card out. Uh, movie picks for you this evening. Two of them. We'll start off at 6 o'clock on E, uh, your family movie pick of the evening. Shrek, uh, fun-filled animated film. Shrek uh, on at 6 o'clock. Follow that up with 7 o'clock on HBO with Legally Blonde, Reese Witherspoon's hit movie, uh, is on later tonight. 
Basketball is the name of the game tonight, uh, but we'll start things off in the golf world. Six o'clock on TNT, True TV. Capital One's The Match is back on tonight. Roy McIlroy, Lexi Thompson, Rose Zhang, and Max Homa uh, will play 12 holes of charity golf under the lights as well. So there'll be a fun little twist on the Capital One's The Match. Uh, then basketball for you this evening. Six o'clock ESPN, Miami takes on an up top 10 North Carolina team in the Dean E. Smith Center. Uh, also six o'clock on ESPN2 if you're looking for Big 12 basketball, West Virginia visits Kansas State. Then the nightcap tonight, uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN, Baylor visits TCU. And on the women's basketball side of things, a Pac-12 battle between Colorado and UCLA. UCLA's got a pretty good basketball team this year if you haven't watched the yeah. Lady Bruins uh, at all. Here's your chance tonight later on this evening. And that... My friends, this is a nightly TV guy brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And Brooks will be on the call with Tim Sin and the guys for Borgard Baseball tomorrow. So we will see you next time on the show on Thursday. Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> and Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. We'll see you tomorrow as well. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Again, tomorrow will be a short edition of the show, getting off air right around 410 or 415 prior to Borgard High School Baseball. So shortened show tomorrow. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.